Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are Innocent Blood and The Hunger, which I guess could be called Not So Innocent Blood. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I don't, I can't tell when I'm dealing with Americans. I can never tell if you're joking or if you're just ignorant because it's possible no one taught you that. Well, why don't you guys convert to like miles and shit so we don't have to do the metrics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I'm actually one of the few people that's backward on that. Man, I wish we would get rid of the fucking imperial system. It's so dumb. Goddamn imperials. The only, the only thing in the imperial system that's worth any type of a fuck is Fahrenheit. It's the only thing. Yeah. Why, why Fahrenheit? I'm curious about that. It's more, it's the it's, one that makes like the least sense to me. Well, because it's more, it's more precise without using decimals. But, does that make sense? Because it, it's it's I mean, basically like uh, I'll, I'll accept that your premise is true because I don't really know, but I just don't like I don't, I rarely need to know the temperature to the point where I have to use a decimal. Yeah. One one degree change centigrade is like two and a quarter degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. But now I I, I, don't, I, think, I don't know I don't I, I guess it depends what you're doing, but I don't see why you need to be more precise. I don't, well, just for just for every day, like temperature, like saying it's it's this hot outside, it just makes more sense. Because once again, like one degree difference in centigrade's a significant difference, <laughs> or the more than two degrees. <laughs> I don't know if I do consider it significant, though. I guess I don't know. To me, there's there's a, a minus sign or there isn't a minus sign. That's pretty much what I check. So. Either way, I mean, I think I think uh, Celsius makes more sense. In which they were like, "Hey, let's take this very rudimentary thing and set it at zero, and this very rudimentary thing and set it at one hundred, and then we'll yeah. just use those two things as the thing." And then Fahrenheit. Some guys like body temperature is ninety eight point six because that's easily dividable. What? That's the dumbest fucking thing I've heard in my life. Probably, probably an American. Is that why it is? Because it's easily divided. Yeah. Huh. It's really, like, it's really fucking dumb. The whole story like, of Fahrenheit's real dumb. It's like a, a dumb lot. Of, like a lot of numbers are easily dividable, right? Like. <laughs> well, yeah, I, th- I think that's the whole thing. Because I think that's why freezing is thirty-two as well. Is 32 is like divisible in a lot of ways, which doesn't 
it, it's just dumb. It was a dumb decision. I, I they don't. I apologize. <laughs> was it you? I apologize. <laughs> but like the Kelvin system even makes sense. It's just it makes sense on a scale that's like psychotic. So it it's of no use unless you're doing astrophysics. Yeah, I was gonna say I used to understand the Kelvin scale, but then I finished high school and never needed it again, so I forget now. Yeah. Kelvin zero is absolute. Okay. Math was never my friend. So there's no, there is no negative in Kelvin. Zero is as cold as existence gets before it destroys itself. I was put in the uh, dumb people math in college. I had to take the same class twice and it was terrible and I still never passed it. <laughs> I weird, so Certain types of math, uh, ex especially things that have to do with certain types of physics, I very, very, very much enjoy for some weird, twisted reason that I can't quite explain. Because you're you, that's why. Yeah, but most of it I hate. Like I don't, I don't particularly like doing geometry at all. I don't like angles, and I don't like fucking with sines and cosines and fucking triangle bullshit. It's all infuriating. But if if you want me to figure out how many newtons of pressure in a pulley system it takes to equalize, <laughs> that, I really enjoy it. I spent an hour of my work day today listening to a Harvard professor just talk about pulley systems. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, if, if it's not work, I guess, I understand <laughs> Oh my god! No, it's just—it's just delightful. I don't know. It's just soothing. That's my background noise. It's just some guy being like, "So we know that this chord and this chord have to have the same amount of tension." Yeah. So I took this uh, math class, and I was really stupid the first time I took it, and took the one at eight o'clock in the morning. So I did horribly, obviously. And I was like, well, maybe it's too early because I am not a morning person. So I was like, well, maybe that's my problem. I just can't wrap my head around it because it's way too early. So I took it next time I took it, I took it as a night class. And I'm like, this is this will solve my problem. Yeah, I it was will... also a bad prompt. Bad idea. No, that wasn't the bad part. I get there and the teacher starts introducing himself. And I find out through his little biography that he was born in Lebanon, but grew up in another country, like India or something. So his uh, accent was all over the place, and I could not understand one word he said. <laughs> and and I, I feel bad because I don't like saying that, but literally, if I can't pass the dumb people math class, having somebody with a horrible accent is not is not gonna help me it just makes it worse i think i think it is a fair criticism in a communications profession such as teaching if the person yeah. has an accent so thick that it makes understanding them difficult that is problematic yeah i don't i i can honestly say with all certainty, as as a white dude who has no right to say it, I don't think criticizing that is racist. <laughs> now, no, if it, the guy had a mild Indian accent and you were like, ah, fuck this, then, then you're a piece of shit. 
No, if your accent is preventing you from doing your job, it's not racist to complain about that if you're the person who needs that service, whatever the job is, it doesn't matter. So I dropped that class, thus I have never graduated community college. And that was the last math class I've ever taken in my entire life. The thing about math is I find in the real world, if you have like adding, subtracting, dividing, and multiplying down, you're pretty much good. Unless yeah. you're like need specific math for your work. Mm -hmm. And even then, like your, your phone probably has a calculator on it. Oh I, yeah, totally does, I, but... I will tell you the people the people who can't do math well enough to make an Excel spreadsheet do the thing for them. That's that's where like I, I lose patience at work sometimes. Yeah. Because <laughs> if somebody's asking me how to get it to do this thing, I'm like, for it's a math equation. It's basic fucking math. <laughs> like yeah. you have to you know wanna, what the signs mean, right? <laughs> You want to use adding and subtracting? I, I don't know how to teach that to you if you're an adult. Sorry. <laughs> you were supposed to know that coming into this conversation. Come on, you don't want to do the Jimmy has five apples, he gives away two of them. How many apples does he have left? Don't. No? Yeah, he's excited for me. Tomorrow's my last day where I have to homeschool a four-year-old. Ah. <laughs> They're reopening the schools finally, thank God. He's going to show up and, like, chuck your kid in like it's midget, oh. midget tossing or something. Like, he's going to grab him by the belt, the Play back of the order. coat, just throw him in. The before care person shows up and kid, my kid's sitting on the step. I'm like, you can't leave your kid here unattended. And I'm over on the other side of the yard behind a tree. Like, he's not unattended. I just can't deal with it anymore. Lando, I must tell you two things, my son. First, I love you. Second, yeet! <laughs> like I love having my kid home, but yeah. keeping like keeping a four year old interested in like an hour long like MS Teams call several times a day is the most challenging thing I've ever tried to do in my life. It's like no. forget all these math problems you guys are talking about. I can learn that. I cannot learn how to keep the kid in front of the stupid camera and paying attention to his teacher. Uh, this sounds horrendous. Right. At one point, at one point, you know what the fucking kid said to me? He goes, he goes, Dad, I don't understand. If this is school time, then technically you're not in charge. The teacher's in charge, so you can't tell me to sit here. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I can't beat that. I don't know what to fucking say to that. I'm like, but your teacher is the one that told me to tell you to sit there. Ah, oh. yeah, you smart, you smart little bastard. <laughs> like, hey, you're not supposed to get that smart till you're seven. How dare you? <laughs> So do you have to sit like on the other side of the computer and just stare at him to make sure he sits and listens? It's oh, it changes day to day because sometimes I have to like be on the couch beside him, but just off camera, and then other times I have to like leave the room. But I don't know which one of those it is until yeah. halfway through the meeting when he's already missed so much it doesn't matter. So yeah, this is where me and Amanda were super happy that we don't have kids. Because, you know, she's she, she wants kids, and, you know, that window's closing. But she's like, oh, I'm so happy we don't have to deal with that right now. Well, now's the time. In theory, we're the furthest we're possibly going to be from the next pandemic. So. Unless <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in perfect position to sit to get yourself settled in as the stay-at-home dad. 
Right? Like, no, no, it makes more sense for me to stay home. Yeah, because I ain't finding jack shit for a job. I'm going to end up at Walmart or something. It's going to suck. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to ride this unemployment out as far as I can, but... Jesus. I find something that's like, well, I mean, that's not exactly what I want, but I could totally do that. And apply. Never hear anything. God damn it. They're like, uh, we need 75 years of experience. <laughs> and by the way, you're too old at 41. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't want to hire someone your age. But <laughs> the, we need 15 years of experience. Yeah. So. I need you. I need you to keep saying those things every now and again, so that I don't get frustrated and quit my job one day. <laughs> I need to be solidly reminded that I need it. Yeah, keep in mind, I was looking for another job like a year and a half before I got laid off. So it's it's I, just fun. I don't know. You should send me a copy of your resume. For me to take a look at it because your resume while you don't have like varied experience you have one of the best resumes on the planet you worked the same place for a long fucking time yeah yeah i sent it to a friend of mine she basically does this for college like she helps students like get their shit together and uh she said it was great but Apparently nobody else thinks so. Have you considered lying a lot on it? Uh, yeah, I have. <laughs> We're just playing up the podcasting thing. Make that a really important feature. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're looking for. Um, I did for one that was an executive producer for a podcasting thing in Britain that I could do remotely from my house, but never got a call from them either. Maybe they listened. You didn't use the real name of the podcast, did you? <laughs> Have you applied to Hard FM? No. Should I? Probably. I mean, they've got a, a little podcasting empire that they're building over there. So, yeah, I think we're on it. Right, but we're not a Hard FM podcast. There's no, a I know. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> we would have there, we would have a budget if we were one of their <laughs> Ooh, budget. Well, it's good times, people. It's good times to be unemployed during a pandemic. It's got real depressing. Right? <laughs> well, let's talk about something that's not depressing, like eternal life. Like naked, <laughs> naked female vampires with vaguely French accents. Yeah, I would still argue that one of these movies is still kind of depressing. <sighs> Depends on who you're on your perspective, because you know, you happen to be a mobster in Pittsburgh. One of them's depressing. <laughs> you just don't like dying of old age. It's the other one. So they're both depressing in their own way. Um, well, no, I know you got excited by the tie-in to Rocky Horror Picture Show and Shock Treatment. So why don't you tell us about the hunger? Oh God! So, <laughs> so the the hunger is a uh, take on a vampire movie uh, with David Bowie in it, at least for the first quarter yeah. of the movie. Worst kept secret that he's a vampire. It's like, of course, David Bowie's a vampire, right? 
based off a book that has very uh, high accolades and made into a movie that it seems like from what I've heard about the book, uh, they did not translate it very well. Apparently the guy wrote two sequels to it as well. Yeah. So in the, in this movie version, we have lady vampire and her, uh, immortal lover, David Bowie, uh, who he begins aging rapidly. All of a sudden, uh, they make contact with a doctor who's studying aging and uh, what the hell's the name of the disease she's studying? I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one that causes oh, children yeah. to rapidly age and they die at like 16 of old age. Yeah. Because uh, they're trying to, you know, figure, well, Bowie's trying to figure out a cure for his, his rapid aging, but he quickly dies over the course of like two days. <laughs> kind of anyway. <laughs> Uh, he ages like 50 years while sitting in a waiting room for two hours. I know. Yeah. Uh, and then we find out that, uh, well, subtly in the movie, once again, it's a bad translation because in the book, apparently, it's a little more explicit. Uh, as he's reaches the age where he's so old and infirm that he, like, is pissing himself and can't function anymore she basically tells him that even though he's going to age into a mummy like husk he won't ever actually die and she's and she's too emotionally attached to kill him even though she can so instead she just puts him in a box in the attic with all of the rest of the lovers throughout time that she's done this to (laughs) which is fucked up which is super fucked up yep uh, and then she sets her sights on her new lover, who's going to be the doctor. Although that doesn't work out well, because that lady decides that she doesn't like being forcibly turned into a fucking vampire. <laughs> and uh, it kind of ends with all of the mummy husks escaping and pushing her over a balcony, and she dies, and they all get released. And yeah. Cut to uh, a weird extra scene at the end, where it turns out that the new lover, who we thought was dead, is still alive. Yeah, which was a changed ending from what was originally supposed to happen. From what I've yeah, that's read. That's not how. That's not how the book ends. The book ends with her dying. Yeah. Also, the book yeah. makes a little more sense. Well, the the book they explain it a lot better. Oh, so oh. okay, the movie doesn't do that. Right, <laughs> right. In the, in the book, they it's more about the practicality of of how difficult it actually is to be a vampire. Like, how ridiculously difficult it would be to find, murder, and then get rid of a body, like, constantly. (laughs) Because that's psychotic. Like, who could do that? Who could do that in an urban, modern setting and not get caught? You know, it it would be ridiculous. And uh, in it, it explains that vampires are, like, a separate species than human beings. They're like a uh, just a completely different alien thing. That's hinted and, at movie as well. Yeah, it's hinted at. And then in the book, the way that she's creating these pseudo vampires is by giving them a blood transfusion of her vampire blood, in which they they're kind of doing that in this, but they're doing it more in the classical vampire way. Uh, yeah, and and all that jazz. 
and in the book, if I remember right, like the the whole keeping the dead or the lovers in the attic thing, they're like all in steel cases, which is kind of fucked up. She's really terrible. She's she's a terrible fucking character. <laughs> she's that, that murderous vampire is not very nice. I'll tell you that. Yeah, she's well. I'm saying she's she's possibly more evil than the average vampire in a vampire. I think because so. most vampires in the movies they like kill people because they need to feed. And in this one, she like torments her lovers for all of eternity by locking them in a steel box. Like that's fucked up. <laughs> but she sort of acts like she's the victim too, right? She's like, I can't believe I have oh. to lock you up in these boxes again. <laughs> which is even, which is so much worse too. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking it. You've read the book before. Uh, I I've actually never found a copy of it. So oh. the the author is pretty prolific. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Wolfen? No, but I've yeah I read the trivia and they listed. A couple yeah, of yeah, same same author, same author wrote that book. Seems uh, like an, another another movie they did it was one that I had seen, but I don't remember what it was. Right, but I've heard I've heard a lot about the book over the years, and I've always wanted to pick up a copy of it, and I've just I've never seen a copy of it in the bookstores. I think the big problem is there's another book called The Hunger. <laughs> written by a uh, woman i can't remember what the fuck her name is but and that book is a very very popular book which makes marketing and finding this book the hunger impossible because you'll always find the other book does that make sense sure but yeah uh, so my my personal opinion of this is Man, there's there's a good movie hiding inside of all this pretentious art house shit. Yeah, you mean like? Well, don't hold back. Tell us what you really feel. Do you, are you are you are you suggesting Noah that they should have told a story instead of just having a collection of very pretty pretty scenes all in a row? I I mean I think they even like the middle of the movie the the like just the the center bit almost is is what it should be you know what i mean it's kind of this slow moving uh gothic depressing pseudo love story thing that's going on yeah which which that's great i i I dig all that but like the first fucking 10 minutes of this movie there is a song playing that i love bella lugosi's dead i fucking love that song and I've got David Bowie as a vampire murdering a chick, and we've got naked people and blood and all the things I should love, and it's buried under so much stupid fucking editing and dumb fucking sound effect choices and layering and all this that it's insufferable. The director of this movie should have been slapped in his mouth for putting that stuff Aww, in this movie. I like Tony Scott. I don't I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Slapped in his mouth, like because this once once again he could have made a really really great movie and instead he took a pretty good movie and, and put a bunch of shit all over it. Yeah, my complaints are on the same kind of uh, approach that you're taking, where I just think it's there's so much god awful '80s attempt to be stylistic, and this is generally speaking my complaint about Tony Scott films. I'm not particular fan um it's just like trying so hard to make the style work 
that it's like, no, what about getting to know these characters? What about telling this story? Like, stop. Enough is enough already. Like, it's because there's the visuals are in some cases really good in the movie. The makeup effects as David Bowie gets older are fantastic. And, you know, to have it scene to scene like that and watch him age, the performance is solid. The performance from Susan Sarandon is great. Oh. And I mean, I think like, I think David Bowie's performance is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's it's really good. Like to see to have to be, to have to, within from scene to scene, act like you're a completely different age, is an accomplishment, and he pulls it off. And like that's a that's a combination of the acting and the effects. But either you know combined, it works quite well. And like I said, I think when Susan Sarandon, there's that one scene where she's kind of just waking up as a vampire, and she's like collapsing on the floor and like having like almost like a seizure, and it's like fuck that's intense but then like it immediately starts to feel like a music video all around that and you're like no like explore that you know what i mean like there's tell a story that shows what's going on with these characters because you've got the pieces here to make a good movie and i i overall like i can tell you i just didn't really enjoy this movie and And i i was gonna say that the call you just made right there i don't know if you were referencing the truth, but you know that actually is 100% the truth. Because Tony Scott, before making this movie, almost his entire filmography was only making music videos. Okay, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> so, yeah. this, but, is a, you know. this is his first movie. Movie. Okay. Because it's like his one after this is Top Gun, and that's pretty much when he gave up on him as a director. I'm not, I guess I'm not a huge Aww. fan. So. It's all uh, style, no substance, no storytelling. It's just not a fan of true romance. See, I like true romance, but the, the script and the performances save that one. And I mean, like, I, I honestly like when I look at Tony Scott's IMDb because I did that. I don't have it open in front of me, but I had it open when I was thinking about this movie. Um, and it's it's mostly made up of movies that I saw trailers for and decided not to see. That's that's the the, the deriving factor for most of it. It's just, like I say, I, I don't personally buy into the, I, I, to be honest, I'm not a huge Tim Burton fan, and it's the same thing. It's like, I don't, I don't want to watch your art. I want to watch a story. I want to watch characters. You know what I mean? If you can do something cool with it stylistically and still tell me the story, great. Like, that that can work together sometimes. But when this, this, the style completely supersedes the substance, I just lose interest. I thought we enjoyed the last Boy Scout. Yeah, it and there you go. There's a movie that where the this first of all, it's a comedy film, so that's different. Um, but secondly, there isn't a lot of stylistic stuff going on in that movie. It is hmm. pretty basic. It is just let these two funny guys be funny together. All right. Well, and it's not it's not pretentious. Correct. Like, Again, like that's what I, I was saying with it. It's a comedy film. Yeah. It's like you, you're not meant to be taking it seriously. Whereas with a, a horror film, you're meant to be taking it seriously. Yeah. The stuff, some of the stuff he's doing in this movie is clearly just fucking navel gazing bullshit. Like, which that's un- unforgivable. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how to say it any other way. Like, in filmmaking it's it's okay to like not give a fuck and, and it's okay to like go over the top 
But if you're just fucking beating off, like, <laughs> and putting that onto film, nobody gives nobody gives a fuck. Like, it's stupid. The only person you're entertaining is yourself. Huh. Uh, it might sound like I'm trying to defend this movie, which I'm not, because I've seen this before, and I only thought it was okay, which is about where I fell this time. Um, but I did think this time... <clears throat> That I really liked the look of everything. Um, but everything else was just sort of, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> there are a lot of good visuals in the movie. Yeah. I, I really liked a lot of it, but parts of it, it became problematic only only in context. Because so the, the opening scene of them and the, uh, the weird goth fucking nightclub thing that doesn't exist anywhere in real life ever. Uh, it only exists in 80s movies. Right, right. Uh, everyone there is dressed like fucking Dieter from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, I, I don't know why, but that, that, that may have fucked me up worse than anything, because I was like, they're trying to be sleek and and sexy, and they're and they're trying to be like sexy and kind of gross in that uh, Clive Barker way. Yeah. And and instead once again they came off as like no, that's Dieter. You're just you're just making like German 90s techno trash. Like that's not sprockets. Yeah, that's not sexy. Yeah, but they were doing it in the 80s, even so, which, which is ahead of its time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. Like I said, there, there's a bones. The bones of a good film are here. All the performances are good. All the actors are good. The story's a good horror story. I mean, and it's good in that, in a non-traditional way, where you kind of think the horror's going to come from the, you know, the vampires eating people. But that's not the horror. The horror is this idea of, like, aging and not dying and, and being trapped forever, which... What, that's a good twist. Like it's a good story, which means the only failure of this film falls squarely on the director, <laughs> fucking well, it up. Yeah, because they don't, they don't. It's like they don't even really try to tell that story. It's and you know like it because there should be that the story of always character aging and going away and later coming back and then surrounding characters sort of being the replacement for that. Should, there should be a story going on there, but there isn't really. There's just a collection of things happening. There's like, you know, there's Susan Strand shows up at that house, and there's like that weird seduction scene, and then the like, what feels like a 10 minute long lesbian scene that they weren't, nobody was quite willing to commit to lesbianism because it was like a, still controversial at the time, I, I'm assuming. I don't really remember people's opinions on lesbians from 1983. But, um, it's like got to give it one thing. It's pretty hot. <laughs> like my like my my thing would be okay. Because we then we immediately have after that we have Sarandon going out to dinner with like her husband, who's Clifty Young, who I had no idea who that guy was before we started this podcast, and now we've discussed <laughs> almost his entire filmography. <laughs> he comes up every second week. <laughs> he was but just like, that guy, and now he's he is that guy. Yeah. Anyways, the point is, like, they get into, it's, like, this... It's Brad and Janet. 
from the Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show, but from two different movies. It's, it's fine. But the, the thing is, then they get into this argument about like the fact that she had a three-hour conversation with someone. And you're like, if you're going to waste our time with this dinner scene, you have to maybe they maybe you ha, you get to know those characters before and you find out that she maybe used to be a lesbian and maybe that's why he feels uncomfortable when she disappears for three hours with another woman. Maybe you find out that they've had their marriages on the rocks and that's why they're not trusting each other. Something, or else what's the point of all this? It's just a scene that happens probably because it relates back to something from the book or whatever. But it, it, I don't care when I'm watching these characters talk. I don't care what they say. And then, like, it's it's just frustrating that way. It's like each scene just feels like, okay, here's what's happening now. Here's what's happening now. It's like getting a story from a kid, and they're making it up on the go. And you know, the the one scene doesn't necessarily make sense in connection to the other scene. It's it's frustrating. And I just I don't know. It's like I say, they they spent so much time and effort worrying about how pretty things could look that they forgot that you need to give a shit about the characters and to tell a story. And you had the building blocks there of a decent story with a cool horror twist ending like that's a almost a 1970s ending the way this movie goes that's how dark it is and it's like that's cool right and and the 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 way it was explained to me the ending of the book has like fucking nothing to do with any of this okay it's it's got to do so the susan uh sarandon character it's the idea of would you actually want to live forever if that meant you were like an addict, a full-on addict, yeah, and, and you could never be cured, and that's that's what the whole story's about. Is is would you want that? And so you know she and like fucking offs herself because she doesn't want to live that way, even if it means she gets to live for a long time. And that that's the thing is like you can tell in the story that there's supposed to be this like. It's kind of because there was this weird like '80s trend of like the reluctant vampire, right? Like the somebody who's been turned and they don't like they don't they don't either don't know whether they want to go with it or they're actively against turning into a vampire and they have to figure out their way out of that situation. And it happened like happened a lot in the '80s. It kind of peaked in '87, and so of course we're going to talk about the two movies that happened in '83 and '92 because we're not going to talk about the good ones. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, but it's like you have Susan Sarandon there, you have this really solid performance. You could explore that really well. And they just, they're not interested in exploring the emotion of it. They're interested in, the, uh, again, only the visuals, only proving how well they can edit film together. It's like, good, good, congratulations, you cut the film and taped it to the other piece of film. Uh, I don't care. That's not what I watch movies for. And if, if all those visuals are helping you tell the story, great. But if they're just there for the sake of themselves, then I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie I, has like a really solid reputation. People really like it, and I'd never seen it. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to watch it. It was like, why does everybody else seem to like this? And I think it is just a lot of people think David Bowie's cool, so they like something that he's in and stuff like that. You know. Well, well, and once again, I would I would argue that because because of the strength of the performances and because of how pretty parts of this film actually are, it's it's totally worth watching and I would totally get it if somebody enjoyed it. But I mean, because there are the type of people who aren't going to notice the, the navel gazing that I hate, 
you know, you yeah, know. It, like, there is true. Like this is like I don't know. How to, I'm trying to find the polite way to say it, but you don't like the people who think they're really cool because they they act like they're geeks. Do you, do you know these kinds of people? The kind of people who kind of people who really really like fucking uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and, and want and have to tell you how much they like it all the time and want to dance to the time warp at weddings to prove how nerdy they are. You know those types of people. They all really like this movie. <laughs> That, that actually sounds about right. It's it's it's. I don't know what the word is for those people, but they're you know like no. It's, it, the, there's a, there's a lot of words for those people. They're, they're the ones who haven't seen all the movies we talk about on this podcast, but think they're movie geeks because they know about this one, and they say things like, "Well, David Bowie's in it. It has to be cool." No, it doesn't have to be cool because David Bowie's in it. Like that's not how that works. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, although more more than fake nerdery, I think you're talking more about uh, what do they call them, candy goths or whatever. That might be an okay word for it. I don't know. I don't know what that word means. Though. <laughs> there it sounds like something. If I Google it, I'm going on. There are people so. that are into the uh, like gothic st- aesthetic, but instead of the you know Victorian uh, death is beautiful kind of thing, instead they're like, look at my Jack Skellington socks. Oh, my soul yeah. is black as night. Right. That's this does sound like the people I'm talking about. Yeah. There's actually like a person right now that I'm talking about. I don't want to use her name just in case. That's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to find ways I would describe her to explain it to you guys. I mean, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong. Those people are fine. You can be into whatever you're into. Like, whatever, it's whatever okay. Yeah, just don't come at us with that bullshit and we call you out for it. No, I'm more... Everybody gets to be made fun of for everything. People make fun of me for all of my bullshit. I know. It's okay. Make fun (laughs) of lots of the things that are wrong with you, so I understand. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, I get it. I, I get it. It's fucking dumb. You know what I've been doing the last few days? I've been playing fucking Dragon Quest fucking 11 and having the time of my fucking life. It's great. Yeah. That shit, it's like a child's game. It's amazing. I've uh, I've honestly been spending the last couple of days playing Minecraft. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Live that nerd life. It's like, I don't want to actually do anything. I just want to build stuff and then kill a zombie every now and then. <laughs> Brian's just sitting in his living room, building and recreating the entire first Saw movie in Minecraft. <laughs> Yes, walk into this room. Yeah, so sounds like none of us were really a huge fan of this. I may co- I may come in with the with the most positive with it's just okay. Yeah, that, no, <laughs> and it, I think it's I honestly believe it's probably worth a watch just for the performances. Probably is like if well, if yeah, you like I mean, Susan Sarandon and David Bowie and shit, give it give it a watch. Maybe you'll like it, and and you won't hate it the way I hate it. And and I'm in what I'm saying is I don't completely hate this movie. I just I'm pissed off at the director for fucking up a good movie. Yeah, I'm kind of on uh, in agreement with you there. I certainly think like there are definitely times where you watch movies. Most of the time, it's not movies from the '80s. It's much older movies, but you watch them as like a piece of history and to to see certain elements of it and just as a film geek I can understand wanting to watch this one for the performances for some of the visuals for the makeup effects those are all 
good reasons to watch this. It's just, like I say, at the end of the day, I don't think it's a good movie. And that's frustrating because there's all these good elements there. But there are lots of good individual elements. And so if, if you want to watch it on that level, I would recommend it. But I wouldn't recommend it if you're, I don't know, if you actually want to watch a good movie. There's, there's much, much better versions of this type of thing out there. <laughs> yeah. Rule, rule number one of vampire movies, there's always a much better vampire. Um, well, does that take us to Innocent Blood, which hey. we can rule one way or the other if it's a better vampire movie? Innocent Blood. <laughs> well, Doug, why don't you tell us about Innocent Blood? Uh Innocent Blood is about a naked French vampire living in Pittsburgh for some reason. I don't know why this movie yeah. set in Pittsburgh. That weird, weirds me out, but they make it You really know, solid... that notorious mafia city, Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get the, I, I'm not sure if I understood the beginning of this movie correctly, but naked French vampire doesn't really want to kill people. So is thinking, uh, maybe I'll just die so that I don't have to kill people anymore. But then sees a news report about local pittsburgh mobsters and it's like that's that's the plan right there i'll just kill these guys because it fucking cares if we kill a bunch of mobsters right uh, so she's ma- she's making her move in on that meanwhile we have uh a guy doing the donnie brasco thing he's living with the uh, the mobsters and uh he he ends up showing up at the scene of her first mobster kill so he's now being pulled out and forced out of his um undercover gig so she's you know made this decision she's going to feast on mobsters but when she goes after the head mobster played by robert loggia robert loggia robert loggia is a psychotic mafia head turned turned vampire like turned fucking vampire yeah Yeah, i mean it's where noah's at on this movie (laughs) Anyways, so she's in, it, basically she's she's interrupted during that kill, so she ends up turning him into a vampire instead of killing him. Um, he gets up, and it's convoluted, but the long and short of it is, he ends up deciding to create a team of vampire mobsters because fuck it, and uh, now it's up to the formerly undercover cop and the vampire to team up to stop them. And in the yeah. background they try to watch every version of Dracula they can to remind <laughs> you that we're in a vampire movie. <laughs> every time somebody goes in a room, there's a TV on with a vampire movie in the background. So, I've I've seen this movie more than once before, and I never particularly liked it, and I could never figure out what was going on. And I think it's because every time I saw it, it was on TV. And it was like an edited oh, version of it. So it was like 30 minutes long. Right. So this is like the first time I've seen it in all of its glory. Man, it's so much better than I thought it was. I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine. There's like just tits and violence. I'm, fucking, I'm into this. I got to see fucking Robert Loja off Don Rickles. <laughs> it is. The cast is something else. Oh, next. Next fucking level. Yeah, it's yeah. It's I wasn't even impressive. sure if this was properly set in Pittsburgh until Tom Savini showed up. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely a Pittsburgh movie. If Tom Savini's just randomly showing up somewhere, 
Yeah, well, that, and at the end of the movie, they do start killing the vampires by shooting them in the head, which I didn't entirely understand. But I'm like, yeah, that's, for, that's how you kill things in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, she she kind of explained it at the beginning whenever she uh, was going through her rules or whatever, you know, rule number one. Yeah. Don't play with the food. Rule number two, finish the food. And whenever she says finish the food, she says that means uh, destroy the bite marks and sever the central nervous system. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just wasn't paying enough attention to the rules. Because I was getting really, at the beginning, I'm like, okay, it's Pittsburgh, and she's doing the rules thing, which I know that obviously in 92 they couldn't have known this, but it just felt like a zombie land reference. Like, right. making all these zombie references in my vampire movie what do you do it and actually now that i think about it i think that zombie land totally fucking was nicking that off of this movie god damn it <laughs> i really thought that was original and clever and it wasn't yeah so noah obviously loved it what did you think doug uh, i liked it a lot more than i expected to i had only seen it once like back when it was new and i was not impressed at the time um I liked the tone of it. I have no idea how to describe that tone. Like it's oh. hyper violent sex comedy. This is yeah, be, but this is going to be one of my big complaints. So continue. It's, it's it's not a comedy in the sense that you won't really find it funny, but it has that kind of. It's almost like the whole movie is the part of a comedy movie in between the jokes, where everything is kind of light, but nobody's actually. You're not actually laughing out loud. If that makes any sense. And then yeah. every now and again, like that hyper violence kicks in and you get to see some really cool kill moments. I'm not a huge fan of like the first kill, but like eventually Don Rickles is turned into a vampire and then nobody knows he's a vampire. So they just have him in like a hotel or in a hospital room and they just open the windows to make him feel better. <laughs> and it's fucking cool what happens. Um, yeah, like. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, I, I would say I liked this movie. I didn't love this movie. There were some, like, unforgivable filmmaking errors in it that I was just like, I don't understand. This is John Landis. It's 1990s. It looks like it has a budget based on the cast. But there are some like, weird, like, continuity errors and shit that I noticed. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, how do you, how does that happen? Like, I don't like it doesn't, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> a little bit. I, I can tell you my biggest complaint of this entire movie right now, and it's and it's such a direct and dumb complaint. The fucking soundtrack, that goddamn mafia stinger theme song that they keep doing over and over and over again, that yeah. absolutely does not belong in this movie. It belongs in a 1954 fucking cop drama. Well, I think, and I think that's on purpose. I think that's part of the comedy. I, 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 that I, feeling. I suppose, so, but that joke would only be funny once, and they do it 57 times. <laughs> see, and I feel the opposite. I feel like there are times when the movie was trying to be super serious about, you know, killing or whatever, and then cut to the next scene where, yeah, it's that fucking soundtrack. I'm like, is this from, like, the Naked Gun movie? Like the, the weird like cop music like going into the next scene that's like really upbeat when the last the last scene we just saw was like horrific and played up to be serious. I 
I guess I guess this is where our opinions in the film are going to differ. I don't know that I ever felt they were trying to be serious about anything. I feel and like I they were. If you were if you were taking this like like as a serious horror film, I can see why you'd be disappointed. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. I think that this is a uh, a Stone Age attempt at a Shaun of the Dead esque horror comedy. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And it, it, obviously, it doesn't it doesn't land the, the same way that Shaun of the Dead does. No. But I don't know. I I kind I just get it. I I mean, I get the humor. I, I find the the weirdest part of it is the uh, femme fatale sexuality that they try to throw into it because that to me is the thing that might between the violence and the comedy, and then you're like, I don't. I don't need a bone or two. This is weird. <laughs> like <laughs> you're doing, you're doing weird things now, you know. But yeah, I don't know. I I just have weird complaints. the The color changing eyes thing is, I I don't know, a dumb fucking gag. I Especially because like they they look bad. I think that's the biggest thing for me is it looked bad. And yeah. Most of the other effects in the movie are pretty good, so I'm like, why just just get rid of that? Yeah, yeah. If that hadn't have been there, better movie. But really, those those are my only complaints. So like, soundtrack's off, the sex stuff's off. But I get, I get why the sex stuff's there because it was just. I mean, that's a product of the times. They needed like, so they're like, it's a mafia movie. We need a bunch of strippers with big fake tits, you know. But, nah, I'll I'll forgive all of that for the good parts. Because Robert Robert Loja is this madman vampire mob boss is just one of the best fucking things that's ever been put in a movie. That's I, I, I like I th- I think he really is. The difference between this being a good movie and a bad movie is the casting of Robert Loja. It's he's just great at what he does. And he's like he starts off already screaming and yelling and trying to murder people and all that. And then he goes full vampire, and I love the moment where he, um, he, he, I don't know how to say, he has that serious tone to him, even when he's doing ridiculous shit. And so when he he starts complaining about his shirt being covered in blood, and he steals a shirt from his, like, lawyer, and changes, but then he puts the bloodstained suit over top of the shirt. I was, I was getting ready to say, that's probably my favorite joke of the whole movie, whenever he walks out the front door in a crisp, clean shirt. With the gore-covered jacket over it, I just I fucking love that. And he wears that for like the rest of the movie, and it was super great. And when you when you saw the wheels turning in his head, and when he realized it's a good idea to start just turning everybody into vampires, because then we'd just be the most unstoppable mob ever. I'm like, I thought that was a lot of fun. So that really worked. I liked um, the actor too that played the the cop. I thought he did a good job of like just acting shocked every time something happened. He's just like the fuck is going on here <laughs> like because he started out as the you know looking very donnie brasco and then at the end of it he's just kind of disheveled and just like okay there's vampires now i guess we're doing this <laughs> the first time the girl jumped out of him on the roof of that building his face is just great he's just like huh we also had a a, a fucking random ass ted Raimi fucking cameo sam Raimi, wasn't it oh yeah sam yeah, why not? Just, it's just so fucking random. I was like, huh? <laughs> oh, well, Frank, Frank Oz was in it, too. Yeah. I didn't recognize Frank Oz because he wasn't a puppet. 
but then I'm like, at the end when they like the, in the end credits, they show who played. I'm like, oh, that was Frank. Oh, I didn't know. Like, it's yeah. funny. Go back and watch it. You can totally you you will totally recognize his voice. I I probably would if I was watching for it. It's just, but it's stuff like that is fun as like just a film geek to watch it later on and see those little cameos. But that scene in the morgue, though, speaking of Frank Oz, when they like they bring in the guy and he he wakes up in the morgue and he's like, "What the fuck am I doing here?" And they're all like, uh, "Maybe you should lay back down because they don't understand what's going on." <laughs> when he runs off and the one guy's like, "Go get him!" And he goes, "No, you go get him!" Like it's just a dead guy just got <laughs> walked away. <laughs> They're all just like staring at each other, confused. And then the press is all out front, and it's this supposedly dead mobster goes running by in the background. Like, I, I enjoyed those moments quite a bit, and it wasn't like laugh out loud funny. It was just that like more subtle, like like the Shaun of the Dead comparison is great. It's like just that like the whole time I'm just like I, this is enjoyable to me. Yeah, you wasn't did not like it, no was not a fan. And again, like you're saying tone was your issue and I, I get I get that like it's a very specific tone and if you don't like it, if you don't buy in, yeah. It's throughout the film, so you're not going to I just I don't know if Landis was trying to do like American Werewolf in London and he's like, "Well, this will be my vampire version of it." And that worked in American Werewolf in London, but I feel like it did not work here. Yeah, I mean, I can see the comparisons, obviously. Um, it is kind of a similar type of humor. Um, and it's, it's just French vampire in Pittsburgh. French vampire in America, which is what they marketed it as overseas. Really? Yep. Didn't know that. Trying to tie it in, American Werewolf in London. Apparently, uh, Landis was not very happy with that decision. No, I, I wouldn't uh. think he would not be. <laughs> It's yeah. a terrible title. <laughs> Just a weird way to do things. I'm sure someone was like, yeah, this is where we're going to title it. And he's like, no, that's it. This is garbage. And the person was probably like, remember when you killed three people in the Twilight Zone? And Landis <laughs> just sat down to shut up and they, they went ahead and changed the title. Goddamn Twilight Zone. So in, in your, you're always looking up trivia and shit, right? Did, any particular reason this has to be in Pittsburgh? Because, like, there's so many cities where if you want to do a mob movie, it would make more sense than Pittsburgh to me, anyway. Like, I'm sure there is some level of mafia in Pittsburgh, but it's nothing not that I, no. that. Yeah, nothing that I read. No? It's just yeah. Maybe just a, I know they film movies there sometimes for whatever taxes or whatever the reason is. So maybe it was just something like that. And they just went, fuck it, let's lean into it. Were, were you guys delighted every time uh, Luis Guzman? <laughs> pop it up on screen yeah I did that, that cheesy mustache of his made God, me chuckle. That, that motherfucker I mean I just don't get how he can come into a movie and deliver three lines of dialogue and you're like <laughs> you're my favorite <laughs> <laughs> and he does, it's like it's weird because he's for me anyway he works in like big laugh out loud slapstick comedies and he works in something like this it's just a lot more subtle where his job is more or less to just kind of be pleasant you know he's the the slightly overweight cop that shows up and he like brings pizza to the guys on stakeout and shit but he's doing the exact same thing in other movies and it's just it's enjoyable in both i don't understand why yeah i'm a little the... i'm a little sad that you didn't get to enjoy this one as much brian yeah well 
I really thought uh, Robert Loja would have you. Robert Loja. Loja. No. Is it? Did you at least enjoy his performance? Oh yeah. I, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine you not enjoying that. You don't ever watch a movie and be like, "Well, the movie was all right, but that Robert Loja performance was terrible." <laughs> goddamn that goddamn <laughs> Robert Loja. <laughs> it was like. Like Independence Day. You watch Independence Day and you're like, of course Robert Loach is a general in the military. Yeah, it makes sense. He's gonna eat yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. That's what they do. Uh all right, anything else? Did you guys Sounds like a no. Um, I'm just curious, nope, like the <laughs> the guy that was like the undercover cop and then he comes out and then they, they go they make a big deal about the fact that he has to come out from his undercover duties and all that. Did any of that matter? No. Like, can you guys figure out that? Because this movie is a, like my probably my biggest complaint would be it's a little long. It's almost two hours long, and having that weird subplot of this cop was like undercover with the mobsters and comes out and then joins up. Like he could have just been a beat cop that joined up with that vampire who showed up for that first kill scene, and you could have saved yourself quite a bit of time. Yeah. And I, I didn't really, you know, or just the, the investigator assigned to the case didn't even like have to be a cop. Thing. If he was a lawyer that was trying to bring them down, like the district attorney or something, yeah, anything, like play it, play out the exact same way. Yeah, you could you could have had him be literally anybody. I guess you want him to know how to use a gun. Um, yeah. But, but even that, even then, at the very beginning, remember he he didn't want to use a gun. Well, he didn't want to actually kill somebody for the mafia because he sure a cop. Which yeah, is, by this... the way, like I don't know if it was meant to be obvious or not, but the minute he refused to shoot that guy, I'm like. Because he's an undercover police officer, so. <laughs> do, do either of you guys think I cannot remember that actor's name for the life of me? Anthony Lapaglia. Yeah, that he's basically like the knockoff Baldwin. Yeah, he is. Like, like when you're so deep in the discount bin that you can't get the shitty Baldwins, he's well, like, like the other one. He's a be- he's, <laughs> he's still a better Baldwin like, than Stephen, though. Well, yeah. Like if, you were pick, if you were listing all the Baldwin's top <laughs> bottoms as far as, and like even putting aside, like just on screen, he looks and acts more like a Baldwin than Stephen does. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like you wouldn't put this guy in as Barney Rubble. That's all I'm saying. Um, would it would it raise your esteem to know that he's like Irish or something? Oh, he's Australian. Yeah, he's, I know he has an accent in some things. Yeah. He, he does a really good job of playing like an Italian in this. Like he's, I didn't know because he was in like Empire Records and a bunch of other yeah. stuff. I had no idea he was Australian until I saw him in something with his accent, and I was like, "What the fuck? Yeah, this doesn't line up at all." You're like, "All these times, I thought you were an okay actor, and now I realize years later, you're you're a pretty fucking good actor. <laughs> you were Australian this entire time." Yeah, trick me, you son of a bitch. God damn it. It. I just bought the accent because I thought you were a bold one. <laughs> yeah, the very the very next year he was in uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer where he also played a cop. Oh, yeah. yeah? I remember him in that, but I haven't seen that in years. He's like Mike Myers' like best friend. Is he? Yeah. I, woman. I haven't seen that in years. Woman. Woman. I'm just mad you brought up Empire Records because I was about to work in a joke about how at the end he has to go into witness protection and you install him as the manager of a record store but he took it away from me yeah sorry 
I mean, that kind of is the only other thing I know him from, though. Yeah, no, I, I think he had, like, a TV show for a while. He's been in a lot yeah. of other stuff, but... I mean, he's been on stuff. He's he's in, uh, looks like, a lot of TV shows, but... Yeah, but I yeah. don't... I don't watch him, but... Huh. He's, he's Empire Records guy to me, and now he's Empire Records and then Split guy to me, and then one day I'll rewatch that Mike Myers movie, and yeah. I'll probably be disappointed, because those don't always oh. hold up. It's all right. He also plays uh, Al Capone in the Road to Perdition movie. Don't remember that. Oh, but, hmm. huh. It's chill. It's less. So I married an axe murderer is way less uh, zany than the later Myers stuff. I mean, when he when he's playing his Scottish <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> oh my god, it's still <laughs> fucking funny. That hates Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Move your head. Sticks out in my head. Look at the size of his head. It's got its own weather station. <laughs> All right, we're, we're veering off topic quickly here. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Oh, we did get a listener recommendation. Oh. Uh, which we'll read and then probably forget. We will not. We will you. You will be in charge of writing it down. Oh, God damn it. Match it up with something and it'll go on the list. Uh, so Nathan sent us a suggestion. Hey, guys, I'm sending in a film suggestion based on Tracy's idea of pairing a movie with a listener request for a future show. Suggestion is Jacob's Ladder from 1990. Besides creating an unnerving atmosphere, the film is interesting for how many future movies and video games replicated scenes from it. Thanks for the great podcast, Nate from Minnesota. Did we do Jacob's Ladder? I don't recall doing it. I've done it on a podcast. I just couldn't remember if we've done it on this podcast. And we haven't done it on this podcast because I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, well, it's definitely going on a list then if you've never seen yeah. it. Yeah, it was good from you know, Tim Robbins week or uh, Vietnam yeah. Flashback week or something like that. Ooh, yeah. Ooh Tim Robbins. <laughs> We need yeah. to pair it. If, if it's a if it's a serious Tim Robbins, we need to pair it <laughs> pair it with a weird, funny Tim Robbins. No way, it's, man. It's a serious slash it. serious slash uh, edge of horror Tim Robbins. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, I do quite like it. It'd be a good excuse to break out the Blu-ray and watch it again. Uh, or we could do Elizabeth Pena week. And do uh, batteries not included? That's fun. Yeah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Thanks, Nathan. We're glossing over the fact that we have another listener. Nathan doesn't usually write in, right? Especially from Minnesota. Who are you? No, <laughs> well, I've got a bunch of friends in Minnesota. Oh, you don't have a bunch of friends. That's hurtful. Oh. It's hurtful, Doug. I have at least five. <laughs> Seems suspect. Can we, can we? Can our Tim Robbins week include Howard the Duck or no? Ooh. Didn't I think I think I vote. Did we already for this. do Howard the Duck? 
That's so. if we did, I skipped it and didn't watch it. It's weird. Maybe. I haven't watched that in a long time. I was getting ready to say, maybe I just think we did Howard the Duck because occasionally I just fucking rewatch Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, we should do it for pedophile week. Oh, Jesus. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we already we do enough incest weeks around here. We do not need a pedophile <laughs> week. Stop uh, stop reminding me about that bastard managing right? to destroy an entire decade's worth of movies. Right. With his presence. Motherfucker. What if we do Jacob um, Slatter and Jungle Fever together? Does that make sense? <laughs> sure, why not? Can we just do uh, Anchorman and have it his little cameo count? Just cause. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Did anybody watch anything since last week? Watched a couple things. Uh, I'm assuming we'll do WandaVision at the end. Yes. I don't feel like there's a lot to spoil, but just in case for anybody, we'll do it at the end anyway. So I did watch uh, both seasons of Spaced on you guys. Oh, yeah. Good recommendation job. as as did i i watched the entire run within 24 hours of us recording last week <laughs> it was so, funny like i woke up the next morning to messages that said that you had just finished your rewatch of season one and i'm like what how can that even be has there been enough time <laughs> I, I was i was gonna say so i i think maybe i'm not as uh in on it is is some other people sure i i do like it don't get me wrong it, it basically, to me, all it is, it's British scrubs. I mean, that's that's what that show is. That's fair. It, and I love scrubs, so it's yeah. all right. It's all right with me. I fucking love scrubs. <laughs> uh, but it, there is a weird, and I don't, maybe it's just the, the copy that I watched. Is there a gigantic fucking difference in quality between season one and season two? Uh, no. I mean, there is, because I think it was really popular, so I think they got a bigger budget. But um, I feel like uh, when I rewatch it, because I watch it on Amazon, uh, it seems like there were some quality issues with whatever whatever uh, transfer they were using. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it, because like the uh, season one was pretty grainy, and it had the... Uh... Uh, I can't remember my ratios. It had the side letter boxes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then Four season, by three. Yeah, and then season two, it switches and it's all in like pretty good quality and widescreen. Yeah. And I think I that might be a, a weird Amazon thing. I thought about going to get my DVDs, but they were in like you know another room of the house, and I was like, well, it's on Amazon. Oh, on. Just watch it that way. You can't be getting up. That's not fair. I was a little annoyed that the one on Amazon does have commercials in it, which I was like, this is bullshit. But I watched it through the Roku channel when I watched it, so mm. we don't we don't just we just don't discuss quality. It's not. Yeah, I think I, <laughs> I, think I watched it on Tube. Mm. Well, either way. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It's funny. I dug it. <laughs> yeah, I just love that movie, that TV show. I'm already thinking about rewatching it. Like, <laughs> I'd like talk myself out of it this week. I'm like, I, I shouldn't yet. That doesn't make any uh, sense. So much out there for me I could be watching. And... I just love when Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, or, you know, whatever the characters are, Tim and Mike, 
keep flashing back to something that happened during their childhood. And we never see it until the very end of the first season. And for some reason, Nick Frost's character as a kid also has a mustache, which I think is genius. It's just one of those jokes that it's like, it's obvious, it's dumb, and it's great. (laughs) The funny thing is, if you watch the documentary, uh, when they were getting the show together, uh, Simon Pegg told Edgar Wright, like, I want my friend Nick Frost to be in this. And Nick Frost was a waiter and had never acted before. And Edgar Wright's like, now, come on. You know, just because we're putting a show together doesn't mean we're going to be giving our friends, like, you know, parts when they're not qualified for it. They have no experience whatsoever. So, yeah, you know, cut to Simon Pegg said, yeah, I really wanted them. I thought he was really funny and I wanted him to be in the show. Cut to Edgar Wright saying, like, I didn't want him to be on the show because he had no experience and we could just be giving away parts to our friends. Sits for like two beats and he's like, yep, I was 100% wrong about that. Because yeah. <laughs> he fucking kills it. <laughs> it's, it's the weird thing about like fucking acting. It's like if you just know a guy or get lucky and mm. you happen to be good at doing something, it's like, all right, you're in now. So. <laughs> It's like, this is pretty much your life now. You're going to be doing funny shit for the rest of your life. But you don't have to be a waiter anymore. Just yeah. It seems like it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep waiting for this to happen to me. I'm a funny guy sometimes. Nobody just happens to be walking by and offering me TV roles. Uh, yeah, I was so happy to rewatch this. I had a, I had a good uh, seven hours watching this. <laughs> it was because it was like you messaged it was like four in the morning or something you messaged him like we just recorded at like midnight like you just i had to have you had to have started season one episode one like within minutes of us being finished recording last week in order for you to have watched it that quick i literally went upstairs went to the bathroom grabbed a bag of chips sat down on the couch hit play on the first episode that's good for you <laughs> I was like, I ain't got shit all to do tomorrow. I I think probably the best joke in the entire series is in the very first episode when they're interviewing to get the uh, apartment. And she's like, so what do you guys do for a living? And she's like, I'm a writer. And he's like, oh, I'm a graphic artist. And she goes, yeah, you guys staying busy? And they're like, yeah. And like it shows the flash of her sleeping by the typewriter. And then him in that fucking suit standing in front of the comic book store. And I was like, accurate. <laughs> Accurate to life. Uh, uh, did you like him harping on episode one the entire second season? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to get over it, man. Never. <laughs> never getting over it. <laughs> that, was, that was probably my favorite running joke of the whole thing was just that the constant references to one and like when, when he would say things like when he's when he goes for the unemployment and he says like oh i, I got fired from my last job why did you get fired and he's like a disagreement of opinion and she just kind of looks at him and goes episode one and he's like yeah <laughs> he's like, like she can tell by looking at him that that's what he got fired for i love it uh, yeah that whole conversation with fucking bilbo where he's like, yeah, I wanted to punch the guy out for saying Hawk the Slayer was rubbish. 
what I should have said was, Dad, I agree, but let's give Cole a try. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Such a fun show. Yeah, so watched all that. That didn't take very long. And then uh, I watched uh, No One Sleeps in the Woods tonight. It's the Polish slasher movie that kind of uh, popped up on Netflix that everybody was saying was really good. I had never heard of it. And I noticed that they had finally put an English dub on it, so I didn't have to read fucking subtitles while trying to watch Cool Kills, which pisses me off. Uh, So I watched it. It's pretty good. Um, It's... uh, I don't know how to describe this. So it's it's a teenagers in the woods getting killed by mutant rednecks movie, you know, which is fucking it's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's a, that's a thing that's awesome. Old movies should be that. But uh the they actually take the time to give like a murderous redneck mutant origin and it's almost too much where you're like, "Okay, that what the fuck? <laughs> Why did we need this?" Did we need them to be, like, super-powered mutant? (laughs) Fucking rednecks in the woods killing people? Like, I don't know. I don't fucking get that. But, yeah, it was was good. The, uh, I'll be honest, the dub is not fantastic. Uh, but, but the movie itself, it's, it's solid. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna say it's, like, the best slasher movie I've ever seen in my entire life, but they made an honest attempt and they did a pretty good kids in the woods getting fucking killed movie, which, which anymore, that's all I want. I don't get why everybody has to be so fancy with horror movies. I just want a bunch of teenagers going into the woods and want to have sex and instead dying. That's yeah. all I want. So yeah, it's got no, good, it's not good, a complicated man. Yeah. Good, good kills. Uh, characters are all right. They're actually, at first, you think they're going to be the stereotypical, like, all of them are just going to be these insufferable teenagers that you fucking hate and are rooting to die, you know what I mean? But instead, it's more like they're all just kind of your normal teenagers that have have problems and lives of their own, <laughs> you know what I mean? And and then they get murdered <laughs> right next in the woods, which is great. So, yeah, I, I'd recommend it. It's a good time. Right, I might check that one out, because up for a decent slasher film if I can get my hands yeah. uh, and then finally I watched An Evening with Beverly Laughlin which was a movie sold to me as uh, if David Lynch made Napoleon Dynamite this is the movie that he would make alright and so I was like you know what I kind of like weird Lynchian shit and I like and I love Napoleon Dynamite, so this is going to be great. And what it turns out is a bunch of uh, fucking nonsense combined with awkward uh, humor doesn't fucking work. <laughs> like, <laughs> it does not for me. It doesn't fucking work. It doesn't fucking work at all because so. Uh, the star of the movie is uh, what, what's her face, Aubrey Plaza, right? In Aubrey Plaza's awkward, I'm not normal speech patterns and behaviors and stuff are funny in juxtaposition to people behaving normally. 
Like that's that's what makes them funny. Parks and Rec. Yeah. If you take everyone in the movie and have them all be that character, it's not fucking funny anymore. <laughs> yeah, just, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's just it's just a bunch of people talking weird and saying dumb nonsense for a whole fucking movie. And and it's absolutely filled with people that I really, really fucking like and I think are funny. And it manages to render them all unfunny. I don't... It, it, it's... And if I were to describe all, all of the individual pieces, you guys would be like, oh, that does sound really, really funny. But it's not. <laughs> so, like, uh, Jermaine from Flight of the Concords is the other main character who is a self-described... He's He's the type of guy who just, like, solves problems. So he's initially hired by Aubrey Plaza's brother, who in this movie is a 50-something-year-old Indian guy, because that that's the type of movie this is, because they think that's funny somehow, uh, who gets robbed by Aubrey Plaza's husband, and, and Colin gets paid $200 to go get that money back, and then ends up going on an adventure with Aubrey Plaza because she wants to go to this hotel to see a concert, which is the, the like I said, the whole fucking thing's bonkers. And yeah, it's it's awful. It's awful. Funny thing was, I was gonna say, hey, don't watch that movie. You should just rewatch uh, What We Do in the Shadows. I didn't even know and I was going to say it before you say Jermaine Clements is in this movie. Yeah. No, like I said, I, I was at Jermaine Clements. Um, God, I'm I'm going to forget his fucking name. Uh, the black dude that's in Hot Tub Time Machine and... Uh, Craig Robinson. Is that what it is? Craig Robinson. And he was in... Uh, from the Zach Office. Zachary Make a Porno and... Yeah, from yeah. the Office. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's in it, and fucking um, the dude from Toast of London's in it. I can't remember that actor's name either. The guy who's in the What We Do in the Shadows TV show that plays uh, uh, God damn it. You're great with names. I, I'm so bad with fucking names. <laughs> you can look this shit all up. You don't have to just guess on Mike. Eh? Is it Nandor? Is it Guillermo? No. Other vampire. Uh, oh, fuck. What is that guy's name? Is it Jackie Daytona? Yeah, Jackie Daytona. <laughs> well, that's all you need to say. You don't that's need what to say I can't remember his regular character's name. Uh, yeah, but he's in it. Like, like I said, it's absolutely fucking packed to the gills with these funny fucking people. Uh, and Laszlo. Yeah, Laszlo. And I, I don't know because. In, in the tradition of David Lynch, where David Lynch is making a movie that's not supposed to make sense, it's because they're trying to make a comedy, it feels like the audience is the butt of the joke of the movie. Does does that make sense? Like, they're making fun of you for watching it. They're like, how, how dare you watch this thing that we made? Yeah, I've seen stuff like that. It usually ends badly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it's it's in it's fucking insufferable. They should all be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> you just tell us what you really think. You don't have to hold back like this. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's uh, that's it. I stopped I stopped watching things after I watched that because they they sucked the joy of, of uh, filmmaking from my body, and so I just went back to playing video games. Wow, <laughs> that's that is arguably the harshest condemnation of a movie I've ever heard. Uh, what did you watch, Doc? Uh, I did not watch any movies since last week. Uh, me neither. Um. I decided because you know you know me I'm a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on in modern society. So I tracked down the TV show Werewolf from 1987. It'll oh yeah, season. I'd never heard of it. Um, uh, I remember watching it, and then it was syndicated. So like, you know, if sports was on, it'd get preempted or some shit. So okay. I don't. I, I never saw the whole thing, and I remember very little about it. But apparently, I think it's getting ready to come out on home video, maybe. Okay. Like for the yeah, first I, time ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I found it like streaming here. It wasn't. Um, so I would assume it's available everywhere through different apps. It's through one of the TV stations that has their own app up here. But um, it's shockingly good. Like. I watched so the first like the like you know how they did back in the eighties it would be like there'd be like a made for T V movie instead of an episode one kind of thing. They would just it'd be like an hour and a half long episode of the show to get you all caught up and get you set up. And you know, the it's shockingly good. It's about this kid that his like roommate has been disappearing and he his roommate eventually confesses to him that he was bit by a werewolf and he's been trying to hunt down the werewolf that bit him because if you kill the head werewolf you kind of kill the bloodline and all the other werewolves stop being werewolves that's the mythos of the show and you can already tell because it's an 80s tv show where they're headed with this that's going to be the thing so basically our main character gets bit in episode one starts turning into a werewolf um and that's going to be the show it looks like is him going week to week looking for this head vampire but or head werewolf to kill him off but we actually get like our first confrontation between the two guys in full werewolf mode at uh, the end of the pilot episode. And I cannot believe how good the werewolves look for 1987 television and mm. like how good the fight is. It's like, again, I don't want to oversell it. It's 1987 television, but the makeup effects on these werewolves is great. The transformation scene in the pilot episode is really good. And you're like, how are they doing a good werewolf transformation scene? on TV in 1987. I don't get it. Oh. You know? uh, so yeah. Really impressed. Like I say, I watched the, the pilot episode, which is like a made-for-TV movie almost, hour and 20-some minutes long kind of thing. And then I watched the first normal episode. Um, but it's, yeah, the basic setup is Guy is going to be... He's wanted by the police, naturally, because it's the 80s TV show, so he's got to be on the run from something. So he's... Yep hunting the werewolf and then there's like a bounty hunter chasing him down because he skipped his bail um and that's that's your premise so i assume every week he's gonna almost catch the other werewolf and eventually he's gonna have to like make friends and get in adventures or something but uh, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to finishing it i just haven't gotten around to it yet yeah, now that I'm trying to look, because I, I saw some like reports on like bloody disgusting about this or something. But... I I saw a headline like maybe I was flipping through Facebook or something, 
and yeah. I just saw a headline about it, and I'm like, I've never heard of that. And then I just started looking through every like TV app I have on my phone or my Roku, and eventually found one that had it playing. And I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, shot. Shout Factory was supposed to put it out back in 20, 2009, uh, but they had to push it back, and then eventually they had to cancel it because of a music license issue concerning three songs throughout the series. Really? Yeah. I I get that uh, songwriters and stuff have to get paid for their work and all that kind of shit. Yeah. But I think that the idea of music rights tying up the re-release of this stuff is unfathomably stupid. Yeah. I just don't understand, like, because you gave them the rights to put it in the TV show and, you know, whatever the deal was at the time. I, and I understand that because it's 1987, TV shows weren't being released on VHS necessarily, so you need to go and pay them a little more money in order to be able to re-release the show. But I don't understand why that would be so hard to work out. Like... <laughs> At some point in time, when you're in the room with them and you go, look, if you don't take this deal and give us the rights to this music, then we're not going to release the show. And they go, okay, like, I, I don't understand what's so complicated. Track down who is entitled to some money and give them some money. Yeah, don't know. No, I'm definitely interested in checking it out again, but... <sighs> It's on YouTube. I bet it's on YouTube. Oh, that should be really convenient. I'd probably watch it a lot quicker if it is. Cause <laughs> the the app it's the app I have it on. I have to like watch it on my phone and cast it to my TV. And uh, for some reason, that just makes it a lot harder for me to watch. Like it's more of a bigger decision to watch it. Um. Well, looks like I found it on YouTube. Because it looks like every well, the first episode's ninety minutes, like you said. But then what? Every other episode's like half an hour, so without commercials, it's like twenty-three minutes. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, I will send you the link. It doesn't look like super great quality, but it doesn't look terrible. Well, we'll see. There's always a very real possibility that I won't watch it, regardless. So. Yeah, you're like I'm done. I watched this one, and I don't need to. <laughs> I watched I watched one episode, and I really liked it. So why would I watch the rest? Like that exactly. <laughs> There's just so much content now. And it's like having access to all these different things is like a problem for me. I, oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Like other than that, I haven't watched, like I said, I didn't watch any movies this week. I watched that uh, Night Stalker documentary that just came out oh. on Netflix that everyone else watched. <laughs> That's the other thing that I had to talk about. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched the last two episodes because Char was watching it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did Char not want to sleep that night, or is this one of those things where she's like all into it and slept like a baby afterwards? No, she's she's so fucking into this. In it's just I I it blows my mind how she's so adverse to horror movies and she's totally into that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, <laughs> that stuff's real, right? Yes, That's, that really that, happened. Yeah, I was like, That's the fucking difference. You know you know what doesn't happen in in my fucking movies? There isn't a dude that like rapes a bunch of kids and murders a bunch of people and then women send him naked pictures of themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But to be fair the Night Stalker is not as intimidating as people make him out to be because it turns out if when you get home you close the door behind you and then lock it that's enough to thwart him. Like it just nobody thought to do that <laughs> in 1980s California. It's fucking weird. 
how many yeah. people like how many people were just like oh he just came in the open window oh he just like reached in grabbed a kid out of an open bedroom window molested him and then just tossed him back through the window like problem solved that's all it's someone posts on facebook up. like like did nobody lock their doors in california in 1987 it's not, and it's I, we're gonna get into my complaints about the documentary because it's really interesting because you actually have the one person who says like yeah i told my parents like start locking your fucking doors and they're like no we're not doing that sorry but we don't lock our doors and we're not going to let this guy intimidate us into locking the doors and then the parents get killed right and it's like you really showed that kid but it's like (laughs) what's fucked up about it is it's like wow like this serial killer rapist murderer child molester just everything terrible about him really had this major impact on us on our society because now everybody locks their fucking doors like i i know a guy who doesn't lock his doors yeah. and it's like a thing like where I know that he doesn't lock his doors and it's weird and it's like that's it's interesting that I think that that's where this happened right like previous to that people just did not want to and then mm-hmm. because of this one guy it seems like now the whole world does and I find that interesting I, my complaint about the documentary is that they just choose not to explore that because it's just a puff piece about how great these cops are instead of sure. a, an actual discussion of everything that surrounds this killer sure. I, I i don't know you guys have heard the best of all times thing right where uh-huh. we're tech technically so right now it feels like we're living in this shitty post-apocalyptic awfulness mm-hmm. uh maybe maybe a little less so since wednesday yeah but um the truth is by by all metrics we're living in the best of all possible times that have ever happened like by all metrics, all measurability, yeah. this is the safest, bestest, most amazing time to live in. Uh, and and I, that holds true watching these things because they're talking about the fact that they like got one of his fingerprints and they were like, but they couldn't just check it because they didn't have the computer technology yet to to run it against every fingerprint. Yeah. And I was like, it's insane to think that this dude just kept killing people because they didn't have this very simple piece of fucking technology we now have, yeah. you know. And yeah, the no, fact they, that he, he'd been arrested like a billion times before, but yeah. just not for killing anybody. Yeah, they, they literally had to get a name, and then once they had a name, then they could look up the fingerprints of people with that name, and then compare <laughs> them. And it's like, oh shit, like that was 1980, what, 83 or something? Like yeah, it's early 80s, yeah. And it's like, I can't believe that that I can't believe that that technology is that new. Like, I just, I guess it's just something I always thought existed, but it, I never thought yeah. about it in terms of that. And it's weird, too. It's like the way they had to track him down is like I, the shoe print made it was so important. And I'm like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't even in my head fathom this idea that the shoe print is that important to this police investigation of these murders and rapes. Like, uh, but that's what they had to go on. And it's, it's very interesting and like to Noah's point it's like you would think like now somebody would just snap a picture of him and that would solve the problem a lot quicker wouldn't it like it's well it's like I was talking with Amanda while we were watching it and I'm like you know what there hasn't been like any sort of like notorious serial killers in a while and I'm not saying they're not happening but 
they definitely are not getting to the level of like all these people were like in the 80s and stuff and i think it's just because they get caught a lot sooner like dna and all fingerprints and just like all that kind of stuff i think it just kind of narrowed that stuff down there's there's that and i mean i think there's also kind of combining what you're saying with what noah's saying about the best of times it's like we do learn as a society and we do lock our fucking doors now sure and it's it's such a simple thing and we don't think about it but there had to be a generational shift where somebody made the decision to start to start locking your doors and then how many lives has that saved because someone like ramirez who doesn't seem to be a particularly intelligent guy didn't have any great skill set other than knowing how to shoot a gun like okay yeah how would he get in like if he showed up in my house right now could he get in at least could he get in undetected i mean he'd have to smash a window and if he smashed a window the neighbors would call the cops and problem solved so uh it's um those those we we, we as a species we learn to defend ourselves against things that have come up so it's kind of all interesting i was i'll tell you what i was a little disappointed with is his arrest I, I I've heard that story before about these this neighborhood of people like running him down. I've never heard that story, so I was pretty happy to hear. <laughs> well, the see the the story that I had always heard was this: he was in this neighborhood, and someone saw him and recognized him from like the news reports and the sketch, and was like, you know, hey, that's him, that's the guy, and that a bunch of people came running out of their houses, basically ran him down and kind of beat the fuck out of him and held him until the cops got there. But in the documentary, they like tell the whole story and, and it's like, wait, that's not remotely what the fuck happened. He attempted to carjack a guy and the yeah. dude fought back and a bunch of his neighbors were like, Hey, fuck that dude. And just beat the living shit out of him. <laughs> and, and eventually somebody was like, Hey, that's the dude from the TV. Beat him even harder. Let's kill this motherfucker. You know? And I can't blame him for wanting to kill the motherfucker, but I I don't know it, some some of the uh, I don't know the way that that I had always heard the story sounded a lot more like you know the citizens uniting to stop the bad guy and it instead the true story is like a neighborhood of ruffians got an excuse <laughs> to beat the holy fuck out of a dude and did it and then whenever the cops got there the cops were scared too because them ruffians still wanted to fucking kill that guy yeah it's uh it's funny it's be like and, and i, I kind of got this from the documentary too is like everyone's like yeah it's funny because it was this horrible horrible human being who's just maybe one of the worst people to ever exist and they were like beat him up but it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't do that like just again like you could just kind of hold them down until the cops get there and turn them over maybe that, that'd be better like it's that's what you actually should do and yet, to extrapolate on that it's like there's a moment where one of the cops just fully admits that when they were choosing who to send in to try and make the arrest they intentionally sent in police with a reputation for shooting people in hopes that maybe he would resist arrest and he would get shot and i'm like you're not that's not really okay like you're not you know what i mean like you're supposed to be trying to arrest him and put him on trial and 
No, 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 no. It's the 80s. You send in Cobra. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. but that's, that's the thing is like the cops say that and nobody pushes back, at least not anything that made it into the documentary. Nobody says, so wait, you were trying to murder him instead of bring him in? Uh, like, that's the kind of thing that in a good documentary, that's a whole separate story about how, like, well, let's have now a discussion about, okay, we understand, obviously, why the police would want him dead, but... Yeah, but we... maybe maybe we need to talk about this, yeah. Yeah, like, that's something to talk about. And I mean, there's I, like I, in, I, the, I, in the second to last episode, that one cop very much admits to, they, they were interviewing that guy who they think yeah. knew him. And he, he straight up just admits that the guy's like, I don't really want to talk to you. And the cop punched him in the face. And, and then whenever the guy was like, hey, fuck you. He was like, I'm going to beat you to fucking death if you don't tell me who this guy is. And he's like, yeah. And then the guy's like, Richard Ramirez, Richard Ramirez. <laughs> and I was like, you just admitted to fucking assaulting someone. You just yeah. admitted to it. On well, and they, they, you uh, just fucking assaulted someone to get the information you wanted. I'll take it a step further, though, because in addition to what you're saying, which is that they just allow this guy to come on, admit to a crime, and again, don't push back at all. The way it's played up in the documentary is like that classic, like, like, like uh, in 80s movie thing of like, yeah, torture totally works and you should just beat suspects and eventually you'll get the right yeah. information. And we know for a fact that that like maybe in this one particular case, that guy screamed the name Richard Ramirez, but it doesn't. I think I think he we even said that he was channeling uh, uh, the fucking character from Die Hard. I think he even said that. Like it's yeah, and again, yeah, I have no problem with torturing a suspect in a fucking action movie, but in the real life, that's not how cops are supposed to operate. And I don't care if it worked out this one time. That cop should be arrested for admitting to that on camera. The same way we said about New Jack last week. It's every week we're going to have a discussion now about guys who admit to crimes on camera in documentary series. But and that, I'm, honestly, I found this documentary series to be very frustrating because of stuff like that. I'm just refusing to explore anything other than just trying to tell this puff piece documentary, and it was frustrating. Yeah. I did the same thing when. Um, sorry, do you want to go say something? Well, I was just going to say I enjoyed the documentary series just because I knew a little bit about the night soccer stuff, but I didn't know a lot. So I just was kind of enjoying it. Just hearing just how everything went, went down. Um, I would be interested in, like you said, a much deeper dive into this whole subject and maybe even those subjects you were talking about. Well, the other one that like, it bugged me that they didn't get into was like so Ramirez is accused of all these child molestations mm-hmm. and he was never convicted of them and effectively they they hint in the documentary at they didn't like, even charge him with them yeah that basically base yeah. and, the, and the decision was made the impression that is given at least by the couple of people here is like look we're gonna get the death penalty for all these crimes that we can nail them on why put these kids through a trial yeah. and on the surface I actually agree with that statement like I don't courts are not for seeking justice they're for protecting people and if you can if this guy's already getting the death penalty there's not really a lot of point in going through another set of trials but um explore that have that discussion right like there's there's room there for a really interesting discussion about whether you should charge him with absolutely everything or whether you just you know like i mean if if three murders is enough to get the death penalty do you just 
only charge him with three of them? Like, what? How do you make that decision that these are the crimes we're gonna? Like, there's a, a very interesting discussion there. There's a moral co- <laughs> component to it. There's an ethical component to it. And, well, especially just, when you have that, you had the, like one of the little girls that he molested or whatever. Yeah. Like you talked to her. Yeah, like, couldn't you I, ask, ask her, her about follow up question? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> what was it like when you thought you were gonna have to testify? It turns out you didn't. Yeah, like, well, I thought, speaking of that part of it, I, I found, I always find where these moments of pity come in to be odd. So you would expect the moment of pity to be, they went to these kids and they were like, you're going to have to testify. And the kids burst into tears and they're like, I don't want to talk about it. And they're like, you know what, let's not do this. This is torture. But instead, they tell the story of they went over to her house and they said she absolutely unblinking was like this six-year-old girl was like, I will come in there and I want to testify. I do not want anyone else ever to have this done and blah, 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 blah. And then they walked out and they went, yeah, let's drop all those charges. It's like, don't wait, but you, but you just had the brave girl who said she would testify. It's, it's a little weird. Yeah. But I mean, and and again, like it's, I'm not saying they're right or wrong to have decided not to go ahead with the charges. My point is if you're going to make an interesting documentary, explore that. Uh, you know, like I said, Brian was exactly right. You've got the girl. Ask her, what does she think? Do you think they should have charged him? You know, do you think the world would be a better place had you been forced to testify, even though that would have been a hard day for you? You know, um, but they don't need they don't get into it at all because they, they just kind of like to gloss over. Shit. Yeah, I do like the end of it, though, because I like the fact that he goes to jail. And then, of course, Char was getting angry because they start telling the end of the story and they're like, and he sat on death row for 20 years. And she's like, she's getting mad. Cause she's one of those people that thinks in cases like that, they should just fucking shoot them. You know what I mean? It should just be done. Uh, but you know, he died of fucking cancer in prison. I, and my argument yeah. was like, isn't that That's better? Worse. That's I was worse. like, he got yeah. to die slowly of fucking cancer in well, prison after I, sitting in a cell for 20 years. On, was, on a pure punishment level. Yeah. It's worse. Yeah. Far. yeah, and on death row, they don't do a whole lot to uh, to help you when you're sick like that. Because they're like, hey, you're going to die anyway, so why should we spend all this time and money? So they do the very bare minimum. So I'm sure his cancer state was not very pleasant. Right. And I'm against torture, and I'm, I'm pretty much against the death penalty in general. So yeah. for me, this is the best case scenario. Everybody gets everything they fucking want. Out of this motherfucker, because <laughs> he really is like it's. I he's man watching the interviews and stuff with him. He's one of the evilest motherfuckers on the planet. Oh like, yeah, he's. Oh. I don't think like I don't think I knew as much about this case as I do most serial killers because I do I do listen to a fair amount of podcasts and mm-hmm. watch documentaries and stuff about this kind of subject matter. And it's I tend to get is confused with the hillside stranglers because they're in the same kind of time frame and in the same area and right so well and i think i realized how bad there's he was. another one called the original night stalker which ended up actually being the uh golden state killer no right east yeah. area rapist original night stalker yeah that now, dude's got about yeah. 25 names yeah now now he's just the golden state killer thanks to Patton oswald's ex-wife it's like, I guess it makes sense that there's like multiple serial killers in kind of LA because 
just the size of the fucking place and the diversity of the fucking place and the mm-hmm. well and the transient places. nature of it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, it's the the Ramirez star. I don't think I ever realized just how bad he was. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly I didn't know about the random like just kidnapping and molesting children. Yeah, I didn't know about that either. All the other crimes that he'd been convicted of, like I thought. So, I mean, I I would definitely be interested. In, I wonder if last podcast on the left has touched on him or something that I could that would go right deep into the details and make me not not able to sleep at night and stuff. That's <laughs> the kind of thing I I could go for. I I find him. See, I find his type of evil spookier than the most serial killers. Because most serial killers, I view them as they're these people with this abnormal psychology that are like compulsory doing something terrible. You know what I mean? They're, and I'm not saying they're okay because of that, but but they're just doing the thing that they do. BTK, awful, disgusting monster that he was, was doing the thing that that monster does, and. The difference is Richard Ramirez is just a sadistic opportunist. Just any any opportunity to, to fucking hurt someone, yeah. that's what he did. Okay. Like, it didn't matter what it was. If he could hurt someone, he hurt them. And he didn't care. Like, the one thing that, again, another thing that they kind of gloss over, in my opinion, they gloss over too much. Um, he, he'd, like, go in, shoot a husband in the head, go in the bedroom, rape the wife. These would be like senior citizens too. So it's not like, you know what I mean? Like it just adds a little weird layer to it. Mm-hmm. But then like, sometimes the wife would still be alive, but he'd beaten her so much that she was just laying there in a pool of her blood in the other room after having been raped. And he would just go make himself a snack in their kitchen. That's fucking weird. Like that's, that's upsetting. That's the idea that he just didn't care to the level of like, none of this, like he didn't lose his appetite after this. I don't, it seems yeah. like that would cause you to lose your eye. I don't know. Yeah, just it's, pure pure casual sadism. Yeah, and it's it's very very upsetting. He's like just yeah like and, and like there doesn't seem to be at least again I I should probably look more into this before I make this comment. Like, there's sometimes there's like you know explanations for these guys, be it some sort of mental disability, be it some sort of you know trauma in their life and again not condoning any of it just saying you can kind of explain it a little bit there doesn't seem to be that with him it just seems to be like like he still like took a bus to like Arizona to go visit his brother while he was like in the midst of this killing spree <laughs> it's fucking weird like it's like he's just like just a scumbag like he's the kind of evil that you see in movies and you don't expect to see it uh, I saw some meme on Facebook that said, uh, suddenly people are finding out that Richard Ramirez wasn't just a character on American Horror Story, because he appeared in two different seasons. Did he? Uh, yeah, he was in the last one, the 1984, and I think he was in the hotel season. Yeah, I don't see um, any of either of those. 1984 starts out pretty good, because it starts out as a 1980s camp slasher, but with uh, usual... American Horror Story problems about halfway through it kind of starts falling apart. Um, so he was on that season as you know as a character. And so this meme was like people are just learning that Richard Ramirez was a real person and not just a character on American Horror Story, which uh, 
solidifies my theory that American Horror Story is for soccer moms who want to feel edgy. <laughs> True. That's kind of my view of American <laughs> Horror Story. So. Yeah. Who were, what, what, how did we describe those girls earlier? That uh, candy gum. Check candy sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I, I again, I haven't seen most of American Horror Story. I've seen part of the first season and part of the one where they're in an asylum. So. Yeah. There's a couple that have good setups, but the follow through. That's. I mean, work. that's what I found watching it was I'm like because every time I hear the premise of the new season. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And then I remember that I stopped watching two of the seasons that I tried to watch. So <laughs> it's like, I guess I don't need to know about the one that takes place in the carnival because that that would be very interesting to me. There's some interesting stuff. Uh, Jessica Lang sings uh, covers of different songs that were definitely were not around during that time period. Oh, yeah. But they're done really well. Like she sings. Uh, uh, Life on Mars by David Bowie, and it's like pretty fantastic. That sounds kind of cool, actually. Yeah. But I mean, that's like the first handful of episodes. After that, you can uh, I could stop probably watch it. <laughs> Google that and find the clips of her singing. Not yeah. To watch the show. But... Um, all right. Is that the last thing you watched? Uh, that is, in fact, the last thing I watched, yeah. Uh, I guess the only other thing I'll talk about is I started watching the new Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Um, We only got through the first three episodes so far. But uh, they've been pretty good so far. Um, I think it's just one of those things, because I know you're a big fan of Twilight Zone, right, Doug? Uh, Yeah, pretty big fan. Um, You just have to sort of ready yourself. You just have to tell yourself going in that, like... All right, there's nowhere, there's no way this is going to be near as good as the original. It'd just be fine with that. Yeah, I mean, nothing just is. Nothing is going to live up to it. Um, but since Jordan Peele's like the producer on it, I feel like he understands the Twilight Zone more than the last couple interpretations of it. Okay. Um, to the point, because like the 80s version, I still like the 80s version. There's some. It's- the 80s version has some fun in it. Yeah, there's some terrible episodes, but I still think there's some pretty decent ones, too. Um, but, like, you know, they got the Grateful Dead to, like, do the theme music, and then the 2000s one got the god-awful corn cover of the Twilight Zone theme. That was um, the Forrest Whitaker as the host, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I, I never even watched that one. I just There's, like, there's a handful of episodes that are okay, but... Uh, it was one of those ones where even in the time, I'm like, I just... We yeah. are not in an era where the aesthetic that they're capable of producing on television is worthy of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I feel like Jordan Peele like understands it better than most people because no cover. It's just the original Twilight Zone theme. It's even in the credits. Original Twilight Zone theme by blah, blah, blah. Uh, when they go to the end credits, it's the original end credits theme from Twilight Zone. So... They're they're at least like understanding the like okay we don't need to like to make this all fancy it's just it's just do the Twilight Zone um and he's a pretty good narrator he does you know his best Rod Serling without being a parody uh but yeah I don't know I've been enjoying it I watched the the one with uh, uh Kamel Nanjiani where he's a 
stand-up comedian, and he gets advice from like his hero, who is played by Tracy Morgan, who's like a this classic like stand-up comedian that's disappeared, and basically tells him you have to give you have to give everything for your stand-up, and then people will receive it. But uh, but if you give it to them, you know it, it'll be taken away from you or whatever. And it's essentially like a monkey's paw sort of thing where he'll start telling jokes about like, oh, I have a, I have a dog and the dog, you know, pissed on my pizza or whatever joke he tells. And then he comes home from the club and his dog's gone. And when he asks his girlfriend about it, she's like, what are you talking about? We've never had a dog. So then it just goes on and on like from there. That every time he tells a joke about something, something vanishes from his life. And, you know, they intermingle it with, like, a lot of personal problems that he's having and stuff. And how he thinks he can use this to his advantage. And, you know, it all ends up going, of course, terrible. Um, but, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Second episode was the Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, which they credit to being from the uh, original series, but it's nothing like that episode or that story. Oh, really? It's totally different. Yeah. So Adam Scott's on an airplane, and in the seat in front of him, he uh, finds like a little uh, iPod type thing, and he starts listening to it, and it is a true crime uh, podcast about the disappearance of the plane that he's on. And so he's listening to it and realizes he has an hour to figure out what's going on to stop this plane from crashing or whatever. And of course starts causing all sorts of problems. You know, uh, tries to find the air marshal. There is no air marshal on the plane. Starts accusing these two guys from Pakistan of maybe because they're like watching like a something on their phone and he's like you shouldn't have your phone on so he's like getting all up with their business and you know they get really offended and just goes on and on and on stuff like that but there's no like uh gremlin or nothing like there's nothing in that like i was waiting kind of for that twist but you know it's still an interesting story it just doesn't need i don't know why they try to credit it as uh you know being based on this story well, okay, so I, I feel like you're contradicting yourself a little bit, though. You said that they don't feel the need to update it and be all fancy, but then they took this story, and instead of just doing the original story, they updated it and beat all fancy. No, I mean, I, I feel like it's just a completely different story. I just don't know why they credited it to that original story, because they're nothing alike, other than they both take place on a plane, and that's pretty much it. Um, and I guess I was more talking about like the aesthetic or whatever. They tell modern okay. stories, but it's not, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's like, no, it's, it's just this, this like critical nature that I have when I'm doing the podcast. I'm criticizing the way you observe other things. So. I mean, no. it does, it does have a twist ending. It's just not a gremlin. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't play out the same way. Um, no, I don't know. I was trying to think of how to rebut that. To Doug, but I'm just like you know what I don't. I'm, it's not worth my time. Don't want. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> what the hell's that? Uh, no, but they're doing they're doing something interesting where there is little things that connect some of the stories together so far. 
Like when, uh, when, well, I mean, it's like subtle stuff. Like when Adam Scott's in the airport getting ready to get on this plane and he's a journalist. So he's looking at the, the newsstand and sees his, uh, an article he just wrote for this magazine. And then like the magazine next to it has Camille's Nanjiani's like picture from the first episode. Uh, commenting about how he's an up-and-coming comedian or something. And then, like, the brand on the back of the audio player that he finds connects back to something from the original Twilight Zone. And then even in the uh, podcast he's listening to, they reference two other plane disasters, and they're both uh, references to two different episodes of the Twilight Zone, like from the 50s and stuff. So it's kind of fun. But I don't know. I'm enjoying it so far. Like I said, only three episodes in. Um, the bummer thing is I uh, start. we started watching it. And then after, because like Amanda's like, I, c- I can watch one more and then I got to go to bed. So we were watching them. And then when it was over, I was just flipping through to see how many episodes there were. And there's like 10, 10 each season. Uh, and there's only two, two seasons so far. But I completely forgot when you bought them, you also got the option to watch them in black and white. So you can sort of enjoy them in that sort of uh, nostalgic black and white of the original Twilight Zone. Yeah. And I'm like, well. Which episode do you want to watch, though? Yeah. If they're they're listening to real crime podcasts on a smartphone, I don't know if it makes sense to watch black and white. Um. So I just turned that one on just to kind of see what it would look like. And I at least watched like the intro because they do the whole, you know, you're entering a dimension, blah, blah, blah. The door opens and all that stuff. The, uh, the opening looks amazing in black and white. Um, and I skip through the episode just to kind of see, and it, it does have that weird kind of nostalgic feel to it. So I'm going to think I'm going to try to watch the next couple in black and white and see how it goes. I think but, you should watch rewatch one of the ones you've already seen in black and white so you can compare and contrast it for us next week. Oh yeah? Alright. I'm sure I can do that. Keeping in mind that I make no commitments to watch anything except for the two basic movies that were required to watch. No, <laughs> but that's I will fine. assign you additional tasks. No. I just know that you're uh you're a big Twilight Zone fan, so I figured you might be mildly interested. I am interested, um, yeah. Yeah, they had them on sale on Voodoo. It was like 30 bucks for the first two seasons. And I was like, that's not too bad. On the app that I can't get. Thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I was uh, super excited because I, I don't want to buy another streaming service. Although, I, I mean, I paid 30 bucks. So I guess I could have, you know, paid for like seven months worth of that streaming service. But whatever. This way I own it, and I can rewatch it anytime I want. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right, Noah, what are we watching next week? Uh, that's a good question. You son of a bitch. No, I know. I just got to look at it. Uh, Nosferatu, <laughs> the vampire, and Schizoid. Oh, okay. Or vampires. No. Is Schizoid a vampire? No. But no. Nosferatu is. Nosferatu is, yeah. Totally. All right. I'm assuming we're doing the Herzog one, right? Yes, that's the idea. So they're yeah. both Herzog movies. No, well, there we go. That makes sense. I've never seen either one. That's neither have I. 
This is my new thing when I... I thought you watched Schizoid too long ago. Talked about it on the podcast. I'm wondering if uh, there's another movie called Schizoid. Because if Her- Herzog directed the one I watched, he should be ashamed of himself. <laughs> okay. So maybe there's two. All right. Uh, I think that's why they're both on the list. would be completely yeah. wrong. David Paulson directed Schizoid. Oh, no, right. it's uh, Klaus Kinski's in both of them. Oh, that's, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is. So we already know you're not going to like one of the movies next week. Is yeah. that what you're saying? I guess so. That's, that's kind of fun to He's, look forward to. The memes of Bernie Sanders in the fucking chair being edited in that fucking <laughs> everything is out of control. <laughs> Mark Hamill just uh, posted a bunch that have been or the Star Wars ones that have been put together. Yeah, that him. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about because that just popped up on my phone with fucking yeah. Bernie Sanders in the Bakta tank sitting in the chair. <laughs> I'm looking at one fun. right now that that says, "Hey, you, you're finally awake. You were trying to win an election, weren't you? Walked right into that DNC ambush, same as us." And it's a picture of Bernie Sanders sitting in the wagon at the beginning of Skyrim. It's a good one. Skyrim references. It's a good one for those that have played Skyrim. Yeah. yeah. I think this is just more proof that uh, Bernie Sanders should have been president. <laughs> that's that's pretty not great. wrong. I, I've, I love the... Uh, I just saw one that said it's like 11, 11 o'clock, drop off the thing, 2 o'clock, Joe's thing, 3 o'clock, <laughs> stop at the post office or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah, one, uh, J, J Muse posted the one that says... Uh, where they put him in beside uh, Jay and Bob in front of the quick stop. Mm. And underneath he put uh, 15 bucks, little man, put that health care in my hand. And I'm like, that's clever. <laughs> that's clever. Like, uh, yes. Kevin Smith uh, reposted that one too. And he was, yeah. he was looking for the original, the original artists because he wanted yeah. to give them credit because he loves it so much. Smith just did, didn't bring up politics for the first 25 years of his career and then this election he's like oh fuck you guys i can't i got it we've hit a point it's kind of funny actually because you always like if you know if you listen to all this podcast you can kind of pick up on what his views of the world are but he's never mm. said anything explicit to my knowledge until recently and then all of a sudden it's just like you know now's the time and i still don't think he even says people by name it's more just like yeah, we're kind of in a horrible time right now, so hopefully things get better. Like, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, Alright, you guys want to talk some WandaVision? Seems WandaVision! Uh, so we're going to be talking some spoilery WandaVision, so if you still haven't caught up on your Disney Plus app, you may want to leave this episode. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't, you can't talk about it without spoiling stuff. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. we talk about it, are we going to be able to successfully spoil anything? Because, <laughs> well, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So It depends on how, if we want to talk about stuff outside of the episodes. Yeah. I, I was going to say, that depends on how deep into this shit you are. Because yeah. I'm deep in the shit. Because I've, I've had tons of friends on Facebook like, what the fuck was that? And I have to sort of explain it to them. That doesn't necessarily make them enjoy it any better but I, I mean my problem was i was like I, I watched them and i was like i'm gonna have to rewatch these episodes 20 fucking times because they're so they throw so much it, it seems like they're showing you nothing and they're throwing so much stuff at you mm-hmm. yeah I, I 
do probably plan to rewatch them because I know there's stuff I missed. But just on a, on a for me being not the comic book nerd that you guys are, um, and just not necessarily my knowledge of these characters comes predominantly from the MCU films, and it's just like, okay, so she's done some magic and believes she's in this fucking weird little world. Well, she created herself out of trauma. That's how I'm taking it. Um, and the show will be about what happens when she figures out that she's not in this world and has to actually deal with it. And I assume she's going to snap at some point. So the the comic book that this is aping wasn't about Vision dying. Instead, it was about the fact that they couldn't have children together. Which just hinted at already in these first couple of episodes. Right, right. Because she was a human, he's a robot, so things don't things don't work right. Mm. Uh and, and she creates this uh this pocket universe where they have children and stuff. And in the comic book, what it is is she, so the two kids that she creates are like legit. Right. So so they're they're sentient people, but it turns out the way she made them because her powers are wonky and unpredictable is she ripped off two of uh, pieces of Mephisto's soul and, <laughs> and and created these two entities out of Mephisto's soul. And as it turns out, Mephisto, who is uh, an interdimensional baddie douchebag, doesn't like that. Oh no! And yeah, and so there ends up being all sorts of stuff where she basically ends up happening to like not kill kills the wrong word, but she has to basically unmake this reality that she's made, which means unmaking her children that she loves, and and once again, who are like real sentient beings. They're not imaginary. That's some dark shit. Yeah, it's real dark. It's real fucked up. Eventually, they get the kids back by making a deal with the devil and all that kind of stuff. But okay. but yeah, but it's it's dark. But obviously, that's not what's happening in this. I, I think it's going to deal with some of that stuff, but that's yeah. not what this is. Yeah, the main thing I've had to explain to people is that in the comics, it's been proven through the story that Noah just told and... Uh, stuff like House of M and No More Mutants is that she is so powerful that her, and she didn't realize it at one point until after all this, that she is so powerful she can alter reality completely. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you're uh, the way I'm reading it, knowing all this stuff, is the same way that you're reading it, that she has created some weird reality around her uh, her sadness from Vision passing away, or passing away from Vision getting killed, right. oh. and she's like created this whole thing. So I'm thinking maybe th- that might be partially incorrect. Yeah, we'll, I mean, yeah, we'll I, I don't know, hundred percent. I'm just there's just so like I said, on, they've thrown so much stuff in. I, <laughs> and I'm looking at uh, an article from Comic Book Resources right now. That if this is true, this is uh, like I am all for this. Um, <clears throat> uh, da, da, da. 
so somebody who apparently has dubbed over stuff for the X-Men films um, has dropped that he's doing something for WandaVision. But the it seems like what is fueling is that both versions of Quicksilver will show up in the show in some way, shape, or form. Oh, that'd be bizarre. I've heard but, indications of stuff like that. But I'd be about it. Like this, this would be the only time you could kind of do it right. and get away with it, which is why I would be perfectly happy with it. Yeah, I was going to say so. There is the the Strucker watch commercial, right? Yeah. And the comic book that I'm talking about where she creates this pocket dimension where she makes children out of nothing. Uh, Strucker is actually the one who, like, makes that happen, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. He, like, tricks her into doing it. Yeah. Because because he wants her to create super babies, <laughs> yeah. essentially. But... But so well, he could I, thought be that, I thought that was Agnes or whatever her name is. Well, Ag- Agatha, Agatha Harkness yeah. is is a super powerful witch. And in the comic books, she's the one who raised Scarlet Witch and and quote fingers taught her magic, even though that's been retconned a million times. And yeah, it's complicated. Uh, there, There's also a magical cow involved, which is the reference at one of the starts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, they've referenced so just the ones I can name off the top of my head. They've referenced Aim, they've referenced Sword, they've referenced Swarm, they've referenced Strucker, they've referenced the Beyonder, they've referenced Mephisto, they've referenced uh, Grim Reaper. Yeah, I sweet fuck. <laughs> it's it's so much stuff. Like like I said, like every two seconds they're making a reference to something. And I'm like now. Nah, They've thrown so much stuff at you. Now I'm like, I have no fucking idea what's happening now. Mm-hmm. There's too much stuff. Why? Why is a dude clearly in an aim beekeeper suit? You know what I mean? With a sword logo on it, which was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, Doug. I don't know. Do you know who the the aim the, the aim beekeeper joke is? No. All right. So the the like the henchman of the the organization known as aim which they created in iron man 3 but it was like a really lame version of it yeah all of them wear this like costume they're essentially hazmat suits yeah but everybody always jokes that they look like beekeeper suits okay so that's what they gotta look that way so the dude pops up in a beekeeper suit and everybody's kind of like oh dude he's an aim soldier totally yeah but once again the logo sword logo yeah and Sword is the, at least in the comics, deals with all the space stuff like S.H.I.E.L.D. does on Earth. Yeah, that's where what Nick Fury is putting together in outer space right, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say, space stuff, and if I remember right, originally in the comic books, the other big thing they deal with is uh, uh, sentient weapons, specifically. So things yeah. like MODOK and... Uh, Things along those lines. Yeah. Well, they changed the acronym for the TV show. It was like Sentient World something or another, but they changed the 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 word word world is now replaced with weapons. So I don't know what that's going to mean. But yeah, so much stuff. Yeah. Um. I guess should we describe what the actual episodes are like? Yes. Yeah. Like let's, <laughs> someone, let's someone do that. Uh. So the very first episode. Um. 
I mean, it's obvious in the second episode, especially with the opening. Um, but I took the first episode. I'm like, oh, this is just Bewitched. Yeah. They're basically just doing Bewitched with Wanda and Vision. Yeah. Um, Which is super fun to me. Oh, totally. And uh, uh, I think a lot of people on Facebook were confused by... They're like, why is this like a 50s sitcom? And there's no explanation why it is. Like, I think they just don't like jumping into it without any explanation. Yeah. But right. Right. Well, we'll, I was we'll totally get into our discussions it. of it. Well, I'll tell you yeah. this. I love it because I... One of the things I love about the MCU is the fucking balls that these people have to just keep doing this <laughs> shit. They put out the Talking Raccoon movie and it worked. And they're just like, whatever. We're doing what we want. And the fucking balls to just have these first two episodes set entirely in what is probably a pocket universe that, and not tell us and just be like, yeah, no, isn't it funny? Like she's floating the shit around the kitchen and you're all just like, and I'm just loving it. And I'm just like, I, I love the idea that there's a bunch of normies who are like, Ooh, the new Marvel show and turned it on and are like, what the absolute fuck is going on here? I I love it. I just, I, I, Again, I the they've decided to just start putting comic books on screen rather than trying to adapt it to what audiences want, and mm. it's working for them. And so now they're just like, yeah, we're just we're doing that now. Yeah. And some of the uh, comic books get weird, so get used to it. <laughs> um, so this first episode is set up with one of the most classic of sitcom formats from the fifties. Which is, of course, that Vision has to go to work and Wanda stays home. But turns out he forgot to tell her. Well, specifically in this episode, they, there's a thing on the calendar. They don't remember what it's for. And their yeah. memories are a little iffy. It's, which such, a, it's, such, confusion. A, it's such a 50s sitcom setup. Yeah. Of like, we can't yeah. remember what the big thing is today. Yeah, then it turns out his boss is coming for dinner. Oh and yeah, both that's, forgot. That's another reference too. I I think the black heart. Everybody thinks it's it's the uh, the anniversary of Vision's death, probably. But black I heart, yeah. yeah, it's a black heart reference, which is, is another uh, Mephisto reference. Yeah. Well, and it can be both. Possible. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So of course they just go through that hole where she doesn't have a dinner to make. Um, her next door neighbor, Agnes, played by Catherine Hahn, who is fantastic, um, you know, tries to help and just makes it an even bigger mess. And, of course, usual hijinks. Like I said, it's a Bewitched episode where she's trying to use her magical powers to make dinner with Vision's boss sitting in the in the dining room and them trying to, like, stall while they get this dinner made. And, of course, everything just goes awry. And... Like it's done perfectly. Like it, it's it's exactly like a fifties. The sitcom. scene where the like, cause all the houses in the old fifties sitcoms all have that like those like shutters that you open them up and you can see into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And when they open up, there's always something wacky going on back there. And then they shut them quickly. And when yep. that happens in this episode, I'm, I laugh out loud. <laughs> I'm like, that's really good stuff. They they, they kind of nailed it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, for TV nerds like myself, like I'm loving this because they're basically going through the history of television. 
And I, like, my nerd thing is just pointing everything out. The living room is totally designed like the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Well, we have vision like he's going to trip over the, uh, what is it, like the ottoman? And then yeah. he goes through it instead. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's a real fun moment. Um, and then they just throw a bunch of weird shit in, which I am all about. Uh, uh, there's, I don't know, Agnes. There's something going on with Agnes, which I think is, as we talked about, is going to turn out she's... Agatha Harkness. Agatha Harkness. Yeah, in some... Like, she knows this is an alternate universe and not an actual sitcom. But there's just something going on. Um, We get a weird... Is this the one with the radio? Or was that the next Yeah, the first first commercial is the radio. Oh, I was talking more of the... uh, where something breaks in, like someone's trying to get a hold of her. I think so that, that's the next episode. Okay, that's definitely the next one then. Yeah, but yeah, they have the commercial that is the radio, and it has a single sort of slow blinking red light on it, which is the only color we see in this entire episode. Um, but yeah, this some other weird shit. Then then uh, Vision's fucking boss starts choking on his steak. And it turns into the creepiest goddamn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> With uh, what's her name, Deborah, Deborah Joe Rutt or whatever oh, from oh from God. that seventies show. Yeah, the mom from that seventies show who was per- killing perfectly, it. perfectly cast. And as soon as she showed up, I was like, "Of course, she's the boss's wife at a fifty yep. sitcom. Like that makes perfect sense. It's perfect, yep. Yeah, and she just goes into this where she thinks her husband's joking or something. And then she just keeps like repeating the phrase "stop it" over and over, but it turns into like this weird, dark, like just creepy moment. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. And then yeah, it causes Vision to to phase through him and pull the stake out of his throat, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First episode, I'm like, this is fantastic. I love this. Yeah, I was, I was really enjoying it. I like, too, that there's, like, the occasional hints that everything isn't real. Um, mm-hmm. The most obvious thing, which is, it's almost a little too on the nose, but I think they do it subtly, is, like, they keep saying, is this really happening? And you're like, no. No, it's not. I know the answer. Can I tell them? No. It's, I, but I enjoyed it. Um, like, you know, there's that, and then there's them not remembering their anniversaries and things like that that are just, like, I... I I dig it because they're doing it in this like cool, subtle way. And then of course, like the overall imagery, like it's almost shorthand at this point. Like if you show something from the 1950s, inevitably the message is everything's fine on the surface, but don't look underneath because everything's terrible and we're just not allowed to say it out loud. Um, So they've, they've done a good job of kind of using that trope to their advantage here, which I think is good. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. I I really you know obviously because they're the themes of grief running through all this stuff to show what Wanda's going through, but that this the end of the first episode where they're sitting on the couch, mm. having that conversation where you know they, where you were talking about that they can't remember the anniversary, and then they're like trying to remember where they came from, where did they get married, when did they get married. How long have they been married? You know what I mean? Like all that stuff. And you can almost, there's that, that moment of it starts to like break through to them that everything's wrong. 
And then all of a sudden he's just like, but we can just make rings. You know, we don't have rings, but let's just make rings. And she just makes rings and they're like, oh, yep, happy. Everything's fine. <laughs> and it's like, yep, that's that's it right there. There's that denial, you know. Yeah. And then at the very end, we get that someone has been monitoring this entire thing uh, and recording stuff in a notebook. And the sword logo is all over the place. Cuts to episode two. So episode two, we get animated opening. Which is very much uh, I Dream of Genie or Bewitched. Yeah, both of them. And uh, the the funny thing is, as far as like the history of television, this episode, while the first one was exclusively on sets, this one they start actually going out into the neighborhood. So there's actually some on-location shooting, which again forwards the history of television. I, I love the fact that they also 100% gave Wanda the Samantha haircut from Bewitched. Oh, totally, yeah. I, I was like, that's fucking delightful. <laughs> um, so this one uh, deals with uh, Vision do, doing a magical act in a talent show for the... For all the I know, children. I'll, I'll, say, all I know is, is that it was for the children, but... Again, yeah. int- intentionally vague, both as a reference to TV and because they don't need a reason. Yeah. Since it's a fake universe. Um, and of course, uh, Vision accidentally chews a piece of gum at work because they point out that he doesn't need to eat. But he chews a piece of gum and they show this very simplistic animated uh, visual of the gum getting stuck in the gears inside of his chest. And he basically starts acting drunk for the rest of the episode. Yep. Um, and then uh, this deals, and then Wanda is sort of dealing with the local uh, uh, neighborhood committee or whatever the fuck it's called, yep. and just trying to fit in. And of course, everything goes awry with that as well. So at the end of the episode, at the end of the day, she when they go to do the trick, and he's still all jacked up, she has to use some of her real magic. To pull the trick off and shocking turn of events. No one could have seen that coming. Right. <laughs> I love I love the idea of her using real magic to create fake magic effects to cover up him really right. doing things that are impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. It was so good. Oh, was it he goes to hang out with I don't know, the husband, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's like supposed to be a neighborhood watch thing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah neighborhood it watch. It was basically just guys sitting around just not really doing anything. Um, yeah, I don't know, another solid episode, lots of weird shit. When they're, when they're at the uh, neighborhood committee, that's when we get this weird uh, radio interruption while she's talking to uh, yeah. uh, Buffy alum, Emma Caulfield. Although I don't remember what her character's name is. Anya. Uh, well, what are oh, characters? Oh, Anya and Buffy. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I don't know her character name. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> Sophie or something. But yes, this weird like you know radio transmission comes in over this radio and it's like Wanda, what happened? Who put you here? Whatever. And then was it was it was she getting like a nosebleed or whatever? That other lady. Yeah, uh, she cut yeah. her hand on the broken glass. Or cut her hand. That's what it was. So then we saw the, the red there, and she had this moment like. 
where suddenly she was like pulled out of this reality where she's like, who are you? Where am I? Like all this stuff. Yeah, it was, it was awesome and awesome and weird, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. And we saw the weird toy helicopter fall into the bushes that was red and gold Iron Man colors, but had the sword logo on it. Yeah. And you can tell that, uh, Wanda is upset seeing things with color on them, mm-hmm. even though she, sh- I don't, at times it seems like she's in on the uh, delusion, but yeah. other times it's pretty clear that she might know that <laughs> everything's yeah. well, not like, right. The, the way I feel it's happening is that she's created the delusion to fool herself and that these little hints are coming through. But like on some subconscious level, if she created the delusion, she must know it's a delusion. That makes yeah. sense. Well, yeah. Sorry. Right. Right now, my my going fan theory is that uh, she's already made a deal with Mephistopheles. That she made a deal with Mephistopheles to uh, bring back Vision. Yeah. And that this is the consequence that Mephistopheles has used her to create this weird pocket dimension to sow chaos or do whatever the fuck he's doing. Hmm. See, yeah. I'm going with she's created this fantasy world for herself and she's inadvertently brought whatever big bad in with her um, just by accident kind of thing. And she's just being monitored by sword or shield or whoever you want to call them. It's... Hmm. Yeah, so I'm not, just, I'm she, assuming she, <laughs> I'm assuming Sword is trying to save all these people that she has trapped in this <laughs> town. Well, either that or just if if all of those people are fictional, then she's they're just monitoring her to make sure this whole thing doesn't explode and destroy all of civilization. Oh, well, that's a fuck thing. I don't think they are. I I think there's been several signs from several people that they're just controlled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were kind of pulled into it against their will. Well, yeah, it's hard to say. Maybe Sword is somehow preventing this universe from expanding. And that's what's that's yeah. why they're there, and that's why they, there's only a certain number of people that exist within this little universe, creating the appearance of a 50s TV show with a limited cast. Right. Possibly. For, for all we know, this whole thing is happening on the Sword space station in some weird docking bay. Oh, yeah. Well, well, that could be po- old. Holodeck. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, do, we don't know anything. We're sitting here like yeah. we're just saying it was funny and we like to speculate. That's that's yeah. a review of oh, the show. Totally. Well, they, <laughs> totally. did, they, they did a really good job of throwing out, like I said, that, that shotgun blast of references that they make. If they're just foreshadowing future things, it's it's so much that I I don't know. Because there's no way they're going to cover all that stuff in eight episodes. There's no fucking way. Especially when the first two episodes, they didn't cover anything. <laughs> like, not really. Like, like, we already know that she is going to be in the next Doctor Strange movie. And that Doctor Strange is going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. So all this stuff can play well, out in all these different ways, right? They can from, be setting up from, uh, from what I've read, she's signed on to Spider-Man 3 as well. Is she? I'm but, fine with it because, like, Elizabeth Olsen is a very capable actress who mm-hmm. could be given a lot more to do in the MCU. And the character is so powerful that she could become very important. 
Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot they can do with that if they choose to. Um, I'm just glad they're bringing back Vision. I was really disappointed whenever he died. Oh yeah, I, in I Infinity War, I was like, I was like, I can't believe they just fucked me out of a Vision movie. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I, I still think Vision should have got his whole own movie rather than just being a subplot in Age of Ultron. Would have made more sense and it would have been more interesting. Yeah, Vision and Scarlet Witch during the. Their time when they weren't supposed to be meeting up, but they were. They could have had some sort of adventure going on. Yeah, I don't like the way they work. They could just choose to make that movie next year if yeah. they want to. Like, why not? Um. So the biggest weird twist, as we've already sort of talked about, is yeah. Throughout the entire episode, they keep hearing this loud banging coming from outside the house at night, and uh, when they finally go out to look, it is in fact a guy in a bee suit climbing out of the sewer uh and wanda just looks at him says no and then like the the visual like like an old videotape starts rewinding on the screen and they walk back in the house and essentially start over from where they were when they were in the house and then just sort of continue on without the commotion outside and then everything turns to Magically turns to color, and we move into the 70s, as far as TV is concerned. And Wanda's pregnant. Yeah. So. So. I like I like the fact that Wanda's a little bit pregnant. They do the color shift, and then Wanda's very pregnant. Very pregnant, yeah. yeah. Well, it takes eight or nine months to go from the 50s to the 70s. Everybody knows that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was I was super happy. I I didn't I feel like eight episodes isn't enough to do nine episodes. Justice to this. Nine episodes. Either way. Well, like we said, that's well, like seven hours of content though. Although I also think we'll we'll see. An, a, a, another uh conspiracy theory I'm going with. I think the episodes will get longer as we progress through yeah. time. Because yeah, we t- we talked about it last week. The first three episodes are 30 minutes long. And then after that, they're varying length. So. Yeah. I, I think they'll get longer because we're going from old school TV shows that were 30 minutes long. Sure. And then as we move up into the modern era where shows are an hour long, they'll get longer. Yeah. I'm just wondering if we're even going to get that far. My guess is we'll get up into the 80s and then that's when shit will hit the fan and we'll figure out what's going on. But... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. It is it will be interesting to see what happens. Because you know this the fact that coronavirus has completely altered the MCU, which is a weird thing to think yeah. about, but but it's a true thing. This was not supposed to be the next Marvel thing. <laughs> <laughs> No, luckily Black Widow's movie takes place in the past. Right. They just, they just delayed it again from what I just read. But but at this point, we were supposed to have Black Widow. Eternals was supposed to already be out. Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier was already supposed to be out. Well, Captain America Winter Soldier is already out. But Well, sorry, Captain America. Well, yeah, <laughs> Captain America and Winter Soldier. <laughs> sorry. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, he is Captain America, though. God damn it. Well, Uh, apparently 
somebody that's not 100% on that yet. It, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, all three of those were supposed to be out. So this was supposed to be the, the fourth thing. And now it's basically the first thing post-Spider-Man, which, is, I don't know, that's fucked. That's yeah. weird. Again, they don't give a shit. The balls, man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> It's so gonna. Yeah, we're gonna give you Wandavision. You're gonna love it, bitch. We're like, yes, thank you. Can we have some more, please? I'm just saying, t- tonally, I think it. Uh, I don't know. That changes the direction. Everything has to go in a weird way. I wonder how much rewriting they have to do. I don't know. I don't know. Like there will be tweaking, no doubt. But I think they've always done a good job of making everything kind of semi-standalone while still tying in. And I think they can do it. Because they could... I mean, they were already getting a Black Widow movie that comes out after the character's gone where she's not gone. So they can mess around with timelines all they want, right? Just, no, this movie's set here. This one's set here. But I mean, you know. You know that that Black Widow movie sets something up. Sure. Possible, yeah. Like I say, tweaks. Right. I just hope Taskmaster sticks around. I want to see more of him. If he's good, I guess. I should preface that. I just want to see the fucking movie. I I love that character, so (laughs) I hope they do something good with him. I'm I'm terrified because I was reading, uh, listening to uh, an interview with a guy who is a uh, very high up epidemiologist and stuff. And they were asking him when he thinks things like, when when would it be safe to go to a movie theater? And he said, first quarter of 2022. Oh, yeah. Well, and he so said, that's that's with the vaccine. Here's, here's a fun service announcement that we should probably say because not enough people are saying it. And we should spread the news to our listeners or listeners, depending on who's still here. Um, the vaccine is not scientifically proven apparently, to actually stop you from spreading the virus. It simply stops you from suffering from the effects of the virus. Getting getting the vaccine is great. It'll help you not get sick, which is important, but it doesn't necessarily give you the right to just start going into large crowds and stuff again either. Yeah. Because you could still be spreading the virus, and if, if vaccines are, you know, whatever. I don't know the effectiveness rates of the viruses off the top of my head of the vaccines off the top of my head but we're not just going to be the minute everybody's vaccinated it's fine to go out there there's still going to be vulnerable are in our society and the virus will still be getting passed around apparently so it's as much as yes you should get the vaccine and yes it's a good thing it's not the saving grace that people are hoping it'll be it's not just going to be the day you get your shot you're back to normal life yeah Herd, herd um, immunity doesn't take effect until something like over, I think it's 85% of the population or something's inoculated. It, it depends yeah. on the, yeah, it depends on the, the specifics of the virus and the whatever else. Um, yeah, I remember back when this was first starting uh, that uh, Fauci had said things would not return even remotely to normal until 2022. Yeah. And then Trump told him to shut the fuck up. So... It'll be gone and it'll disappear in April last year. We don't have to talk about him anymore. 
<laughs> no, so 2022 is not a crazy number for me. I've been thinking that the entire time. No. So I just the idea of another year. It yeah, crushes, I think it, it crushes my soul. I think Marvel's gonna have to bite the bullet and maybe drop drop something on Disney Plus as far as movies go. I just don't know how long they can sit and wait. But I mean, I, mean, I don't sweet. even mind going to a theater as long as there's proper social distancing and they actually fucking enforce the masks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, Noah, but they're, uh, this week they just opened up indoor dining again here in Peoria at at 25% capacity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's at least something. I'll tell you that, like, when they had indoor dining open here for a while, I went, I went to a couple, like, a couple times where it was like lunch on like a weekday or something and places were dead. And I was fine with it. And, you know, like, waitresses were respectful and stuff. And, you know, you, mm-hmm. But then I made the mistake of going out, like, one night at, like, dinner time. And it was like, yeah, yeah I'm going home. And I, like, voluntarily didn't go out, even though the places were open for... Yeah. It was probably a month, over a month, two months almost, that places were open. And I just said, no, I'm not going. Like, anybody who asked if I wanted to go, I said, no, I don't. It made me uncomfortable to be there because people don't know how to distance yeah. People just they no, get yeah. into those situations and they're comfortable and they don't want to do it and they get up from the table and forget their mask and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like running out or anything, but for me, it's just a good sign that numbers are starting to yeah go down again. So hopefully it continues. That's what I'm saying. I just want to I want to go see a movie and I want to eat some chicken wings. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I want. That's the end of it. Back. You're going to eat chicken movies wings at the movie? Even if I have to go alone. That's how you get away with not wearing a mask in the theater. If you're uh, eating chicken wings. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I wish there was movie theaters that served chicken wings. I feel like there probably are. Man, that'd be messy as fuck. You think popcorn yeah. is bad. Could you imagine fucking chicken bones and shit? <laughs> oh, damn floor. Assholes would be throwing them on the floor, too, and then they'd start rolling under the seat in front of you. Oh, uh, there was a uh, there was a theater in Bloomington, uh, which is about forty five minutes away, and it was the Ovation fourteen. But it was one of those fancy theaters where you could order actual food from your seat. Nice. And like and like I got popcorn, and it came in like this giant ceramic bowl. <laughs> and then and then when I, when I had finished my popcorn and wanted more popcorn, I just hit the call button. And the lady came in. She's like, yeah, what can I do for you? Can I get a refill on this popcorn? She's like, sure. Took my bowl, went and got me some popcorn, brought it back. I'm like, this is amazing. That sounds like a miracle. <laughs> but actually, that actually sounds very nice. That's like probably the second best service I've ever heard of in my life. So Yeah, but we were watching It. Chapter, was it the first one? Yeah, it was the first It. And I had already seen it, so I was fine. But... Man, the lighting in there was not great because, you know, they have to leave the lights up a little bit just so the waitresses can run around. And it was a little too bright. I'm like, this is not the movie that you want to do this for, I guess. That's also the thing, too, is like, it's like really cool. And she's like, can I help you with something? And you're like a little more popcorn. But then, like, five minutes later, when they're like, can I help you with something? And the guy beside you is like, can I get one more drink in this? And that'd be annoying as shit. It's yeah. great when they do it for you. It's not so great when they're it doing would it for be, everybody else. It would be much better if it was set up like a normal theater, you know, where that kind of like hooks around to the side and then there's that 
weird tunnel back to the door. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And and all you did was go pick up your stuff there instead of happening to leave the theater. Yeah, that's not bad. That would make me perfectly fucking happy. And then they could have like a touchscreen app or something where you just like ordered it and then it'll tell you when it's ready and you can just I almost go the other way with that where I'm like if you're gonna do this just have a restaurant with a big screen in it that's the way I look at it and again I wouldn't go see it in that environment a comedy film or like an action film yeah like if it was Avengers like I would probably wouldn't have even noticed how bright it was like everything would have been going crazy but yeah it's the dude's running through the sewer you know using his little hairspray blowtorch and I'm just like, oh, I need some more popcorn. And it's it's way too bright in here. Yeah. Good times. <sighs> uh, do you want to reminisce about theaters some more? Like they've been gone for like 50 years or Jesus should, should we wrap it up? The other I'm... night I was having trouble sleeping at like, you know, it was like three in the morning. So I sat up and I just turned on the TV started watching that uh, Mr. Rogers movie, whatever the hell it's called. Mm-hmm. It's just sitting there on Prime, and it's so good that I can watch it anytime. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I remember seeing this in theaters. And I started doing the math, and I'm like, that was a long fucking time ago. <laughs> but I remember seeing this in theaters. Uh, trying to think, what was the last thing I saw in theaters? I don't even know. New Mutants is what I saw. Yeah. Might have been last thing I saw in theaters. Was, it might have been like Impractical Jokers, the movie. It might have been mine too. I'm trying to think now. Because <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, because Invisible Man I saw in theaters, and it was one of the ones that was like still in theaters when everything hit, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't see it in theaters because I had I had my film festival the weekend like everything shut down in Illinois, so. I didn't even get a chance. Like they're shutting everything down. One last movie before we go. No, it's, yeah. I was like, I'm trying to think. I'm doing the math in my head. Cause I remember, like, I'm trying to remember the date. I was supposed to fly out like the day everything shut down. <laughs> Weren't you going to yeah. Vegas or something? Yeah, I was like flying to Vegas. Then, yeah, you were going to go on your hockey tour. Yeah, I was going to go on my hockey tour. So then I canceled it and replaced it with a beer tour. And then partway through my beer tour, and they're like, no, you can't do that anymore either. <laughs> I'm sure I've told you guys that story, but it was like, I literally was yeah. in a brewery having beers, got up, like, I was, I like it here. Let's get a hotel room so we can just keep drinking at this brewery. Got a hotel room, went back, and they're like, you can't come in anymore. Sorry. <laughs> we got shut down while you were gone. We're like, oh, well, now what do we do? <laughs> God damn it. Stuck in fucking Barrie, Ontario. Yeah, I'm still trying to like reschedule my honeymoon, and I don't know. I just don't know what the fuck to do. 2022, bud. Uh, well, I can't. <laughs> if I schedule it that far out, I lose everything. Yeah, I know it sucks. Right. Uh, my uh, my flight from that canceled trip to Vegas, the uh, the credit was set to expire the other day, and I'm like, do I call them? And then they tell me that my credit's expiring, and then I just get frustrated. Or worst case scenario, they bump it six more months, so I th- get excited that I have flight credit, but then they it still expires because I can't travel still in six <laughs> months. Like, like, do I even want to know, or do I just want to like write off that money? Yeah. It's, 
Like, and that's a tough scenario because I don't know what you do as an airline. Like, do you just be like, well, we'll push it, then keep pushing it, keep pushing it? Yeah. Or do you offer a refund somehow? Or do you just, just be like, well, tough. People. I mean, what are you going to do? They're not using the service. Yeah. yeah. See, my, my situation is particularly unique, too, because the flight technically happened. Like, mm-hmm. because the flights weren't shut down yet at that point. It's just if yeah. you got there, everything there was shut down. So what was Welcome the point to of Vegas. <laughs> Stand in the street and it's don't like, touch anybody. Yeah, it's like so. All right. So then, like that kind of like again, if you're the airline, you go, well, we did our flight. It's not our fault you didn't get on the plane, and it's technically not. But I don't know what you do. Like for the flights that were actually canceled, I there should be legislation that if your flight doesn't take off on the day when it was supposed to, you're entitled to your money back. Good times. Aren't we supposed to be in a better mood now? Supposed to be. You guys killed my WandaVision buzz. (laughs) You guys remember when 2020 was coming to an end and everyone was like, ah, next year's gonna be so much better. And then, like, now we're here. And it's like, is it, though? Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.